welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys, I'm wicked excited for today's guest, Jordan Dranes. And before I get into telling you a little bit about him and about this episode, here's, here's a fun little fact. So Jordan was the very first guest that I ever had on my show. So he was episode number four, and I'm bringing him back now for episode 204. And I just love the synchronicity of that. And I just adore Jordan. And I, I think you guys are going to dig this conversation. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, first of all, he's my brother from another mother. <laughs> So Jordan Dronetz, he's a vegan coach. He's a vegan bodybuilder and powerlifter. He's an animal activist. He's a dad. And he's a plant-based entrepreneur from Southern Florida. He's the founder of Conscious Muscle Online Fitness and Nutrition Coaching. And he's the co-founder of Conscious Muscle Supplements, which is a 100% vegan and cruelty-free supplement company. Who doesn't love that? I know I do. His motto is, and I proudly wear this on, uh, I have so much of his gear, it's ridiculous, t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and I'm about to get his new sweatshirts that look fantastic. And the motto on the back is this, we kill workouts, not animals. Jordan is also a big proponent of mental health awareness and the power of personal development. So you guys, this is a really down-to-earth, raw, in-the-moment conversation between two friends and peers and colleagues and also clients of each other, which we get into uh, a little bit about that. We discuss working together, uh, he coaching me and myself coaching him. We both agree that uh, good mentors and good coaches know that they need good mentors and coaches. So that's been really great. And we spend some time busting some vegan myths. Like one of the number one questions we always get is, where do you get your protein? <laughs> so we talk about things like this. We talk about what it means when you say you're an animal lover, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then also just a heads up before we go into this episode that Jordan and I share some deeply personal stories that do contain uh, descriptions and graphic details of violence and there is adult language and stuff. So I just want you to be aware going into it that some of this might be a little sensitive, um, but I didn't want you to just go in uh, blindsided. So buckle up, buckle up for safety. This is a fantastic conversation between myself and one of my favorite people on the planet. And I hope you guys dig it as much as I did, uh, getting the opportunity to talk to my friend. So thank you so much for being here. And uh, let me know, let me know what you take away from this conversation. Okay, thanks. 
Hey, you guys, welcome to the Karen Kitty Show. I am super duper excited to have my friend Jordan Dronis back on the show. Many of you might know him as Conscious Muscle. I'm sporting the gear. I got the t-shirt on. I've been a fan. I've been a fan before we even knew each other. And we can talk about that in a second. So let me just say, Jordan Dronis of Conscious Muscle, welcome back to the Karen Kenny Show. Thank you for having me. Just like last time, it was a freaking blast. I'm excited (laughs) to talk with you. That's why I like this, because it's like it's a real conversation with a friend, not like it's not like here we go, a podcast. It's like, no, we're, we're about, we're about to talk. <laughs> we're about to, we're about to throw down and, and have, have some, have a good time. Now, here's the thing. Now, what's super duper exciting for me, especially is that you were my very first guest that I ever had on the podcast. You were episode number four mm-hmm. and now you are episode number 204. So we have a little symmetry there. We have a little, little, a little uh, history there as well. So I'm, I can't believe, first of all, that it's been, I mean, we've been in touch in other ways, but I can't believe that we haven't had like a long conversation like this one for like, for the podcast for like three, I think it's been at least three years. Yeah, it's been a while. It's pretty between then and now it's just been like quick Insta messages. Like, Hey, what's up? Comments here and back, you know, how you doing? Like quick check-ins, but this is a, First, like conversation, conversation. I've had yeah, a hot that, that, that we're letting the public in on anyway. Well, well for for sure, we'll, like podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know? we'll, we'll talk about that too in a minute. But a lot has happened in three years. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited to catch catch people up on that. Um, and I think I'm going to call this episode uh, "Busting Vegan Myths." So we're going to dive into some of that too. But the first thing, in, in case people didn't listen to the very first episode that we did. Because on that episode, I really asked you to share like in depth, like your journey and your story of how we ended up being uh, conscious muscle, right? Like how does one go from being Jordan to being conscious muscle with like 170,000 followers and like all in a, you know, a supplement company and like all these different things that you do. Um, So I just want to kind of like start off with asking you, uh, you know, I was going to laugh. I was like, so what's been going on for the last three years? I'm like, no, that's way too much. Let's go back, though. Let's go back to just give us um, a peek inside your story. Right. I always say to people, you know, it's so easy to have you on the show and just be like, OK, so Jordan is like a bodybuilder and a powerless lifter and an animal activist. And he's a dad and he owns a supplement company and he talks about personal development and mental health and all these things. It's so easy to have somebody on the show and like, you know, really just kind of put them up at the pinnacle of their peak. But what I'm always interested in, and we will talk about those things, but what I'm always interested in is like, what were you like as a kid? And like, how the fuck did we get here? And like, what was your... Give me a little bit of that more of this, a little bit more condensed story. So you guys, if you're listening to this and you want to hear the really long story, and I say that in a powerful way, you guys know how I feel about storytelling. You can go back and listen to episode four. Uh, but I want you to just kind of walk us through a little bit. I know you had a tough childhood. I know you personally, but just give us some of those highlights of like what you um, experienced, what you've been through, what you're still healing from, like all that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to share openly and I've kind of, you know, and I, I've told my story kind of uh, quite a bit and transparency is always I've kind of conditioned to my, myself to a place where it's like, I don't want to tell the story and come off like, oh, I'm a victim or this and that. And as you know, that's that's not what this is. But I had to get comfortable again with realizing like, 
hey, it's important to share this stuff because the people that I respect and admire are the people who have gone through hell and back and they found joy and they found success and they're able to share that with others. So I'm getting more comfortable again, kind of sharing my like origin story for lack of a better term rather than, you know, sometimes there's some shame in it. Cause again, you don't want to come off like a boo-hoo, but life is life, right? So um, I guess just to sum it up, right? Childhood, um, grew up in Miami with um, my mom and dad. My mom, heroin addict, as you know, so I'll just tell it, people don't know. Um, and my, I grew up with a mother who was a strung out heroin addict and a father who was in prison. Um, had a rough life between then going through, you know, my mom's different boyfriends and stuff like that, bad experiences um, for me and my brother, both leading up till when I was 11. And my mother met my stepfather in AA. Um, his name was Carol. He was like an angel. He was like a six foot something, looked like from Sons of Anarchy or a Viking with a beard. He was like six three and just the sweetest guy. And 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 I, I will say that anything positive in me, as a teenager, he instilled in me. If not for him, I, I'd be a fucking animal. Like he, so, um, he met me. He met my mom, and they got married, and things were good for a while. You know what I mean? He was great. We found out my mom was using again shortly after at 17. She overdosed and died. I got a call from my uncle. So yeah. when you were 17 and she's like, what, in her 40s or something? Oh, in in her 40s. Her... Yeah. So sorry to clarify what happened. Uh, my stepfather found out she was using again. And after some talking, they decided to get a divorce. And my mother moved back to Miami. And my stepfather made it clear that I'm welcome to stay there with him. So I did stay there with him. You know, wow. me and him were tight. And then. I still remember we were at the movies um, getting ready to watch Blade. I must have been 17 at the time, 16 or 17. And I remember he was outside smoking a cigarette and I got a call from my grandfather telling me my mom died while I was in the mall waiting. And um, I remember going outside to him and I looked at him I'm like, you might want to sit down, man. And he's like, oh, what's up, Jordan? I'm like, and I just looked at him in the eye. I'm like, Lori, she's dead. And he just looked at me and he's like, okay. You know what? It wasn't like out of the blue, you know, she had, she had a, so anyways, um, she died shortly and i don't share this a lot shortly after that i didn't take um the best path in life um long story short i actually ended up getting mugged um when i moved into a new apartment i had my first last insecurity so mother dies i go off on my own even though you know my stepfather was cool with me i chose a different path um i ended up moving into a new apartment with a roommate and I had my first last insecurity on me for my deposit. Your deposit, cash. so cash, right. Cash, I had a lot of cash on me. And the detectives think what happened was someone followed me home. But anyways, um, that's Like followed when... you home from like the ATM or wherever you were or wherever the oh, cash came from? So yeah, now, I mean, if we're getting into the story, right? We're getting into the story. <laughs> um, I went to art school. So I remember I, I, I just got done smoking a blunt and I went to Walgreens to buy art pad and art supplies and go to my new apartment and fucking draw. So I uh, went there and I heard a knock at the door and um, went to open the door and I saw some guy standing there looking at me and I looked at him and all of a sudden he went to throw a garbage bag over my head. So I swatted his arm away and looked at him and that's when my brain kicked in like, oh, I'm being robbed. And um, I used to box and wrestle. So I pulled him in by the back of his head, kicked the door shut, put him on the ground, mounted him and went to work. I then heard the door... <laughs> <laughs> I heard the door open and close. And it was, it's like a movie. I'm, you deal with people who are in traumatic situations. So, you know, it's something yes. that time slows yeah, well, down. Not, totally slows down. So, yeah. yeah. So I heard the door open and close and I heard the deadbolt lock. And I saw another figure walk in and I just said to myself, I'll deal with this clown in a minute. Like, so I'm going to work and then I feel myself getting hit all over my body. I didn't realize every time I was getting hit, it was his fist when the blade would go in. So, so 
You're being stabbed is what you're telling us. So you're yeah, being while stabbed. I'm on top of this guy mounted on the floor, hitting the first guy, another one came from behind me and started stabbing me in my back, literally stabbing, stabbing me six times. Um, and then I kept hitting the guy. And now the guy started kicking me. And then I saw blood all over the walls and a pool of blood on the floor. And I looked down at the person that I was engaged with and I saw he wasn't bleeding. So I realized that was my blood. And all of a sudden my brain kicked in. I'm like, oh boy. So that's when the brain kicks in. I rolled off him. I covered my eyes, pulled my wallet out and handed it to them. And I couldn't even make out what they were screaming and yelling. I went to stand up and then they threw a garbage bag over my head and started suffocating me. And I was able to rip it out. And I took a couple steps back from these guys and looked at them. And they were just yelling and screaming like about money and this and that. And then that's when I noticed all the blood and my brain instinctively said, you need to plug that shit up. So <laughs> I started walking back or back, back to my bedroom to grab a towel. Like, cause you're in shock. You're not thinking sure. I'm just a towel. And my lung then collapsed and sprayed blood out and they took off. They took off. They I thought they're like, now this guy's going to die and we're going to get caught from murder or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to get into the quality of their character or who they are or anything like that because I don't. It can be a sensitive subject for people, right? So we're not going to just, we'll leave it at that, right? We'll leave it at that. Um, I remember calling 911, banging on neighbors' doors. No one came out. So I remember being on all four. I was on the second story. I remember walking to the sidewalk on the floor talking to the operator, I'm on all fours, on my hands and knees, on the concrete in a pool of blood. And the operator's like, stay on the phone. We have someone coming, keep talking to me. And I'm just, I put the phone down and I'm thinking to myself, I'm getting way too tired, man. I'm way too tired. So I start dozing off and I say to myself, I'm like, Jordan, you've seen enough movies. Don't go to sleep. But every time I would take a breath, my lung would pump out blood. Oh, so, God. yeah. So first cop gets to the scene. I hear some dude yell, holy shit. And <laughs> that was him. And um, he did his best to compress me. The ambulance got there, reinflated my lung. I passed out, woke up in the OR, surgeons everywhere, and then woke up in again in a hospital bed, freaking the fuck out, pulled out my IV, tried to pull out my catheter, bad decision. And then they said, <laughs> then, yeah, then they sedated me again. And then I woke up with all my friends. And keep in mind, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm bad with dates because of PTSD. I'm like 18, 19. And I'm surrounded by all my young little fucking hoodlum friends and my girlfriend at the time. Like, and you know, we won't get, and I'm like, I'm already out for blood. Like I'm already, I'm already like, we're hunting. We're, uh, we're finding these people. But anyways, um, yeah, that, that, that was that. And then um, make a long story short, I went from there and I lived not the best life, so to speak. I did what I had to, to survive as a business person. Right. I don't get into that. Like, you know, dealing, whatever, um, ended up getting in a very bad fight and hurting somebody out of self-defense. And I went to jail at a maximum security facility with bad people. Mm -hmm. um, I was looking at years and years and years in prison because of the charges, meaning just to explain, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but you get in a fist fight and you knock someone's tooth out. That's aggravated battery with permanent disfigurement that carries up to 15 years in prison. Wow. Guy had no teeth. So like, Bait, but what you happened were in big trouble you were in big trouble i was looking at a max of 30 years in prison i got a public defender who plead me down to five and that was the best i was going to get and this just shows you how the system hems you up and it's obviously it's it's financial privilege it's what it's all about my family sprung for a very cheap attorney he got me probation and community service so we went from years in probate in prison to because it was self-defense you know like fortunately the judge because i had an attorney would actually look at it, he's like 
oh, well, a young, uh, another young man took a swing at you. This is mutual combat. Like, right. It's not like you were just walking around trying to start a fight. No, but not so, not at all. So how, um, but how long did you actually spend in, like, how much time did you do inside? Uh, I was stuck in there in the max facility for 33 days before I got bailed out. Um, my aunt, Abby, is the one who got me the lawyer. And um, she's, your yeah. mom, she's your mom's sister. She was my mom's sister. She literally said when I bailed out, she's like, here's the deal. You're cutting your fucking hair. You're getting your shit together. You're breaking up with your girlfriend and you're moving down here with us and you're going to get your fucking life together. And um, that's that's when I got my life together. Unfortunately, as that was happening, as I moved down there, I found out my stepfather, Terrell, um, had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So um, if we're being real, like, and I guess I'll share this, right? Like um, a couple months into it, he gave me a phone call. And um, I remember I was leaving the gym. It's when I really got into working out. I'm like driving home from Planet Fitness. And he, he used to call me Jord. And he, he just remember called me one day. He's like, hey, Jord. I'm like, hey, what's up, Terrell? How are you feeling? And I just, his, he got quiet. And he literally, all he said was this, I'm really sorry, Jord. I'm not going to make it out of this one alive. And like, um, yeah. So from there, um, he passed. And then shortly after, my aunt, whom I was living with, we found out had lung cancer, stage four. Um, so within two months, she was in hospice. And literally the night before she died, my older brother, Jeffrey, got in a car accident and died. And him and my aunt were so close, we couldn't even tell her that happened. Meanwhile, she's on her deathbed, and then she died the next morning. So, you know, it, it was rough. And then, you know, I was married. I had my two amazing daughters, you know, the lights of my life. I'm divorced. And it took a lot of trials, tribulation, and adversity to get me to be the man, you know, I am today who built conscious muscle. You know, I had to find my way through hell and back, like we, like we talked about, you know. And this, this is why I want to share this stuff is because there's people out there, like, you know, who do have trauma, right? You, suffering's universal. Circumstances might differ. So I want people to know, like, hey, you can come out of this and still have a quality life and still love and still laugh. And you're, we'll talk more about that, but that's something, you know, me and you are working on together. You're helping me with. So yeah, fucking rough life. Um, wouldn't wish it on anybody, but here we are. Here we are. Well, I think it's really important. Like I can't hear a story like that and not just take a moment to like pause and just kind of let that land, not only for me. And I've heard the story uh, several times, right? But just let it land for me, let it land for you, let it land for the listeners and to also just acknowledge all of that loss. Because, you know, there's something about, you know, when I get asked to speak, whether it's on a podcast or on a stage or whatever, and they'll often say to me, you know, well, like, will you tell your story? And my story is greater than the story that I often tell. It's just like I choose a snippet of the story yes. to tell. Um, and, you know, I'm able to tell that story about my mom being murdered and all that. Now, from a place where there has been enough time, there's been space for healing, there's been space for reflection, there's been growth, there's been all that stuff. Um, so I can tell it from what I would call the scar and not the wound. I'm not still in the yes. wound. Um, and so because you're used to telling that story and you're the one that went through it, you know, and I've had people come up to me and say to me, oh, you're so brave or you're so courageous. And what's so interesting is that, and I don't want to speak for you, um, I don't experience it that way at all. I don't think I'm being brave. I don't think I'm being courageous. I'm literally like, well, that was just my life. <laughs> And I didn't really have a say, like, these are the things that happen. And, um, and now I think the way that we connect from hot to hot, the way that we help each other heal 
is when we do share our stories and your story is a very powerful one and it's a big one. And so I just want to give the listeners a chance to kind of like let that land because that's a lot of grief and that's a lot of loss and um, you carry a big load. And, you know, you mentioned in there PTSD and I know there's like mental health is a big thing that you, you like to talk about um, and we'll, we'll get into that and stuff as well. But I think it's important that we honor our dead, whether or not, um, and when I say honor our dead, what I mean is I don't want to just let that blip by the fact that your mom passed and then Terrell passed and Jeff passed and your aunt Abby, like all these people that were your familiars, that were your family, um, were gone. And I can only imagine there must have been some sort of a sense of aloneness and um, like, where are my people? Like, who are my people now? And maybe it's one of the reasons why your friends are so important to you. Like your friends are like family to you. My, my friends were like everything. Like I remember, you know, right after I got stabbed, you know what my fucking, sorry, again, language. I know I don't have, have to you apologize. Don't, you don't have to apologize on this show for swearing. Like, you know, who? The, I, I remember at my grandfather, I called my grandfather at the time, you know, just like, cause what do you do? You know, like. Your grandfather, meaning your mom's dad. Yeah. 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 And literally what he told me, he was like, do me a favor don't tell your grandmother. And that was the conversation. That was not, not, Oh my God, you got stabbed to death. You had your lung punctured. You, you almost were paralyzed. Like, are you okay? Do you need it? Don't tell your grandmother. Okay. So it okay. wasn't right. So it wasn't about you at all. It was about protecting. It was about protecting everybody else. And you know, that's the thing is like, I was, that's how my family was too, in their own way. It's like, we didn't talk about my mother. It was literally like she was there one day and like the next day she had been, she dis, just disappeared. And we didn't yep. talk about the fallout. I mean, we didn't talk, you know, when there's like a nuclear explosion and they're like, stay inside because of the nuclear fallout and all the radiation. But when it happens in like your personal lives, emotionally, like great losses like that. I mean, there's no handbook. Nobody knows what to say or what to do. Like we were talking about this earlier. It's not like growing up, people were like, let's talk about neural networks and what's happening in yeah. your brain and how you ended up this way. And let's talk about how to love yourself and care for yourself. Like those kind of conversations are not really happening in most children's lives. No. So then you have kids like, like a lot of kids who have incredible trauma, a lot of uh, childhood adverse experiences, right? Adverse childhood experiences. There's an ACE score, right? It's called ACE, A-C-E, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Um, and when they try to see like where a kid kind of falls on a trauma level, they look at this ACE score. And I think like, I think there's like 12 of them. There's the other 10 or 12 of them or whatever. <laughs> I think there might be 10. And I think I'm like a high seven or eight. Like I, it's like, cause it's like divorce, having a parent yeah. die, like having this, right? And I'm like, oh, Jordan, Jordan and I are like high ACEs, man. So like, you're saying we did good on the test. <laughs> You're saying we did good. We got a high score. On a test we didn't know we were taking, okay? Hey. But here's the thing, though. The fact that you were able to survive, okay? And, like, I just sit there and, like, I think about that whole scene about, you know, you being stabbed. And I have, like, a thousand questions as you're telling the story. But I'm like, I don't want to inter interrupt the flow of the magic that's happening. Um but to be able to have a brain that's like, okay, I'll deal with that clown later. I'm doing this. And to have like, and while you're in shock and everything, I just think this is such an incredible story of survivalship. And I'm not saying you always did it um, in a neat and tidy way. Like, you know, we talk about having our dukes up and having yeah. this kind of attitude in order to survive. Um, 
But I would say that part of that is part of your magic. I would say that everything that you've been through, all the loss, all the grief, all the grief you're still processing, becoming a dad, starting this business, all this stuff. It's like, I've never met another person like you. You know, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And that, you know, since we have a steady stream of consciousness, this this comes full circle to something me and you talked about. And this makes me think of it um, in, in terms of it crafting who we are, right? And how it ties into different things. For example, veganism. And I'm bringing it up now because it's, it's fresh. Um, it's one of the core, and we spoke about this, right? So I do want to make sure to touch on that. It's one of the correlations I made, right? Because I remember what it felt like to be stuck with a blade and to literally be bleeding out on the concrete, feeling my life, literally. I mean, literally, I could feel my life leaving my body as I slowly, slowly fell into sleep, thinking to myself, literally my exact thoughts, it wasn't fear, it wasn't scared, it's just literally like, oh, wow. Literally, it's like, oh, wow, this is going to be your last moment on earth. This is it. So how that tied in the vegan, and, and again, it just, it, it hits me so clear, whether an animal has the intellectual capacity to rationalize what's going on, because let me tell you something, in those moments when you're bleeding and you're dying, you don't necessarily have the intellectual capacity to wrap your head around it. All you have is a palpable, tangible sense of fear, fear. And I can't explain the fear, but of, of, of death, right? Like, while it's happening, that fear dissipates and you kind of, so it's, again, it's touchy territory, because for me, it was almost like you feel like you're going home. There's not, there's not fear of yeah, the unknown. But you're, but you're a human who has the ability to yeah. like rationalize. An animal just has its instinct. And all it knows is I'm in this shoot or I'm in this place where I'm being cattled down this thing. And their sensory perceptions, right? Like when even just take a dog, when, when you realize that a dog, I mean, I might have the number wrong, but it's something like they can smell at 30,000 capacity yes, greater crazy. than us. I'm sure, yeah. And all beings are connected. So there's no way that when uh, an animal is being brought to slaughter or an animal is being traumatized or abused or whatever, it's palpable. I mean, those of us who became vegan and part of that journey was watching all the fucking footage of the slaughterhouses and all the movies that depicted when end of life is near, when they're just like hitting them with the stun gun or whatever, they're actively trying to live and get away. So I guess that's divide, the divide I'm making, right? In yes. one sense, I guess, as a human, and maybe that's your subconscious, subconscious intellectualizing, is like there's no fear. You're calm to a degree. because, But in the tangible, palpable fear sense, it's like I can only imagine. Like I know what it's like to be stuck and bleeding out and left to die. Like it's yeah. just a terrible feeling. It's just well, a terrible feeling. Yeah, well, here's the thing, though. It's like your body went into shock because you're when you were up in the apartment, right? Because down on the concrete, that's a little bit of the aftermath. But when you were up in that apartment, you were fighting for your life. L literally, yeah, literally. Because you wanted to live. And I think that's my point uh, like around this is that all beings want to live. And I think that, you know, I may have I may have told you this story before that one of my biggest things around my mother you know, being beaten to death and left to die on the side of the road at night, you know, tragically across the street from the police department. But she was left um, outside of a, a, an animal cemetery on this little side street. And, you know, the guy that that beat her to death, you know, he like took off and she ended up, you know, she died of all of her awful injuries, which I don't want to traumatize people, but 
part of it was she she choked to death on her own blood because she was on her back and she was you know could not you know roll over or whatever and the thing was is that um one of my greatest fears was always that like she suffered was that she suffered and she was only 33 i mean she was a baby she was a baby she was such a young woman she was beautiful uh, she was so smart, you mm. know, and she was the light of the like when my mother walked into the room, like she lit it up like everybody loved, loved my mom. Uh, I'm not saying she didn't have some enemies, but if she did, I wasn't aware of them. Um, you know, I was only 12 when she died. But here's my point. I was always so afraid that like she had suffered so much. And, you know, I had talked to like spiritual teachers over the years and they would say things to me like, well, maybe her spirit left her body. You know, she was in shock. Maybe she didn't feel it. They were always saying these things to try to make me feel better. And when I decided to to write my memoir and to write my book, and I started to do some research on it, um, I remember, you know, reaching out to the newspaper, the local newspaper, because when my mother died, it was like it was all over the news, TV, radio, in the paper. But the adults like wouldn't let us look at it or see it. They were trying to protect us. And I, I had the kind of uh, mind and imagination where it was worse for me not knowing the details because I could imagine like all these mm. awful things. And so I wanted to know. And so when I was old enough to find out on my own, I took that action. But I remember getting in the mail this this stack of the articles during that time, which was really the the first reporting, like the very first day before we even um, where she was still just missing to us, not dead to us. She was just yeah. missing. It was already in the newspaper. So when the newspaper came that day, I, I got to read about you know my mother being fucking hell, Karen. On, on the front page of the paper. It was horrible. But here's my whole point. I got this stack in the mail from the newspaper from one of the one of the women who had been um, on staff at the time. And I remember it took me like a few hours like to open up that like, I couldn't I, it was like having a hot potato. I like brought it back from the thing. My hat was just fucking pounding. And I was like, oh, my God. And I remember getting to one section and I'm going to make the connection. Stay with me, you guys. I'm going to make the connection to my own veganism and why I'm telling this story. Um, but I remember somewhere in that news article that it said, um, talking about my mother, she had cuts and scrapes on her hands and knees from trying to get away. And I just like, oh, like it's like still to this day, it's like a fucking gut punch. And um, it brings up a lot of feelings, even though I've done a lot of forgiveness work, it brings up a lot of feelings. Um, but one of the things was, is I was like, she wanted to live, like she wanted to stay alive. And like you, you wanted to live. That's why you fought for your life. And as that energy was like draining out of you, really, it's like what you were feeling maybe on some level was a, a, a surrender of like, this is happening and you felt more peaceful. And wouldn't that be amazing if that's what all of our loved ones experience? Like, I would hope that that's what we experience. But for animals, all they know is I'm going down this chute and I can smell the fear. I can smell the adrenaline. I can smell the, the death all around me of these other animals. And they're not going peacefully. We've seen the videos. Cor correct. And I think I think that's where the differentiation is. The violence had happened and I had time to sit there and marinate in my own blood and find a sense of because think two things can be true at once. There, there's a duality to life and to many things. There was a sense of peace that I was going home and I started to relax into it, which I think is the body's natural progression into death. But also, unlike the animals, I don't have my murderer hovering over at me waiting for that last ounce of life to and much like your mother, not not to bring it up, I wasn't there 
choking on my own blood, violently dying. I and I, I say this this sounds so morbid. I had the liberty or the gift of being able to peacefully transition from blood loss, not peacefully, but you know, in that moment, the yes. calm after the storm. You know, and, and again, not comparing this, but uh, you know, I, 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 and, and again, I'm not trying to dig in, but I, I can't imagine being on your back, choking on your own blood, gasping for life. Like, and I know it sounds maybe again morbid to say I had the liberty or, or the, the, the privilege of, mm-hmm. of, of the, the, the calm after the storm of dying from bleeding out, not being, you know, so it's, it's very interesting how your, how, how the brain works. Cause now I'm picturing it and thinking to myself, even though I was like on death's door, like I kind of got off a little easier, so to speak. Do you, do you know what I, do you know what I mean? It's just interesting how perspective works with survivors, you know? Yeah. Like, and I just think though, that the point where it's, or the point I'm trying to make, I don't want to speak for you is that sure. um, our lives have both been touched by violence. And one of the tenets of uh, veganism, right, and is, is like nonviolence or what we would call in yoga ahimsa, which means like you know non-harm um, and to, to 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 have compassion, right, for other beings. And it's so interesting too. It's so fascinating now that we're you know we're on this subject of veganism, and we'll we'll talk about how you got into it. But certainly, my mother's death later on when I started to connect the dots and like make those connections, it was like, oh my God, like I don't want to play a role in any being suffering. I don't want to be responsible for taking the life of anybody. I don't want to do it. Like I don't want to hunt or fish or whatever. And I also don't want to pay somebody else to do it for me. And then I want to take it a step further or farther. Like I don't want to go to rodeos. I don't want to go to SeaWorld. I don't want to go any place where poor animals have to give up their skin for me, their wool for me, their silk for me, their feathers for me, like whatever. Like I... I was just like, I don't want to move through the world that way. So I know my own experience with, you know, beings will to live with the impact of violence on me, my family, whatever, you know, at some point I was like this, this I, I don't want to be a part of it, which is, which is saying that I believe animals have just as much as rights as we do. They have a right to live free from harm. They have a right to live free from suffering. They have a right to live free from abuse and rape and all the things that we do to them. Um, And so people will often say about us vegans that we fucking think we're better than everybody else. Like we're so judgmental and we're always out there telling everybody. I'm like, no, we're vegan because we don't actually think we're better than anybody else, including animals. I, you know, you, you know, I can't say it better. Do you know what I mean? Like I live that that's how I feel. I feel like the divine presence that comprises this universe and us resides within all things and it should be respected. Like we, it, it, it's Go ahead. It, it's an argument because we don't, we don't have to eat meat in our society. We don't have to take part in that. So if someone looks at me and says, Hey, gosh, I wish I could be vegan. You know, I hate animal cruelty. I hate what I see. And I'm like, you know what, you know, it's cool is you don't have to take part in it. You don't have to, you know, you're not on the deserted island. You're not in a third world country where you literally have to hunt to survive. People like we were carnivores. No, 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 no. We never were. We were opportunistic omnivores, like any animal who needed to survive. And we could have done that on meat or plants. We did both. We don't have to do meat anymore. So why? 
Right. It's so powerful and important because if you aren't watching this, you can't see Jordan. Okay. But Jordan is not just, he's not just a guy who's vegan. You are a bodybuilder and a power lifter. Show us the guns. Give us, give me one gun at least. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really jacked everyone. No. You have to know. Please. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's yeah, true but it's important because it's part of your magic and it's part of your story because it's you are literally a walking busting vegan myth which is this concept and this idea that you can't have longevity that you can't have good health i'm like oh yeah like so i've just been vegan for over 20 years and i'm so sickly like i'm like are you fucking kidding me it's just i think that the media and big pharma and agriculture who, you know, like milk, beef, the whole thing, who who run the gamut, they want us to believe that we can't do it any other way. And if we do, we're going to get sick. And then you see all the influences who are like, you know, they have to make a big announcement, was vegan for a year and then had to give it up because I got sick and like all this bullshit. And I'm because not- all I ate was fucking bananas and Skittles <laughs> and sugar water. I don't know why I didn't. I don't know why I don't feel good. Like. So let's talk about this, busting this myth of like, you don't just, you're not just some guy who like, you know, is vegan. You literally have built muscle. You grow muscle. You've yes. done all these things. So other than, because I really think this part is important because mm. you can spit like logic and facts and science at a really high level when it comes to like why veganism is good for the planet, why veganism is good sure. for your health or whatever. But I want people to understand how we got here. And I love this story because I think it's just wicked funny. So if mem- please correct me if I get any of this wrong along the way. So you're a personal trainer. You have a client. You're training a husband and wife team or whatever. The wife goes vegan. And you and the guy, the husband, are like busting chops, busting balls about like, oh, you're going to lose all your muscle. All your gains are going to go away, whatever. And then she challenges your intellect and your bro science, right? Your yeah. bro mentality. Yeah. And she says to you what? Like, take it, take it from here. What does she say to you? She's basically like, okay, you're telling me veganism is bad. You're saying it's bullshit. You're saying I'm going to wither away and die from a protein deficiency. She's like, I'll give you till Friday. Give me two paragraphs. Show me it's bad for me. I'll stop being vegan. And we even had, I believe, a financial wager on the line at the time as well um, <laughs> for her to me. So, yeah, I, I, I challenge accepted. I scoured the internet. I read every medical journal, every article, every everything I can read, everything I can do. And when all was said and done, literally had an aha, holy shit moment. Like, wow, veganism is the best thing for my health, the sustainability of the planet. And then came the anim- animal welfare, which like most, I always turned a blind eye to. So I went to Susan and I said, hey, you know, you're right. You're right. And that's when I started to pursue veganism. So because of her challenging me, and, and you know, it's a hard thing as a personal trainer. And, and this is why I relate to all the bros online who like talk shit and comment bacon and like, oh, bro, if you ate meat, you'd be blah. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I, used, I used to be that guy because when I'm telling you veganism works, that questions everything you've been conditioned to believe your entire life in regards to protein and lifting and muscle synthesis. So if I'm telling you it works, that's questioning your whole entire belief system. So all of a sudden I'm telling you, yeah, all that nutrition stuff you learned, out the fucking window. Everything you read in muscle mag, muscle mag and muscular development, nah. So the fact of the matter is this, and I'll keep it simple without rambling. You have an animal-based bodybuilder who has a plate of chicken, broccoli, and rice. Okay, you have me sitting here with 
tofu, broccoli and rice, or tempeh, broccoli and rice, or seitan, broccoli and rice. So the only thing we're switching is the protein source. So if I'm telling you this piece of tofu or this piece of seitan has the same amount of protein as this piece of chicken with the same abundant and complete amino acid profile, you can literally swap the meat for the plant-based protein. And you know what you're losing? The cholesterol, the carcinogens, the cruelty towards animals. You're getting all of the protein and the amino acids you need. And people think there's some magic ingredient in meat and dairy that will make you grow. They're like, oh, if you only ate meat. I'm like, hey, hi, hi. We're eating the meat for the protein and the aminos that the protein is comprised of. So if I'm getting that from this source, what am I missing from the meat and dairy? And you know what, everyone, no one has an answer. Because okay. it, No, go ahead, go ahead. Nobody has an answer because... Oh, oh um, B, B12, B12. Okay, fine. You're getting enough B12 then. You're getting enough protein. Fine, B12. Okay. The B12 you're getting, because our soil and water is so depleted, the B12 that you're getting from your meat is supplemented. Something like 90% of all B12 supplement sales are for factory farmed animals in Western society. So when you're eating meat to get B12, you're eating supplemented B12 that was digested by the animal and is now given to you second nature by other meat. You know what you could do? Cut out the animal and take the fucking B12. Oh. Okay, 100%. Let's talk about this because we've talked about this before. And I know vegans worldwide ad nauseum have had this conversation. So it's like, okay, so I'm wearing one of one of your t-shirts, right? And so on the front is a gorilla. I've often had people sometimes say to me, is that a bear? I'm like, it can be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> I had someone say that to me the other day. I slapped the hell out of it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so it says conscious muscle is vegan muscle. But here's the thing. The mightiest animals on the planet. I would say things like elephants. Yep. Gorillas. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Big ass mammals. What what are the diets of those creatures? What are they mostly eating? You know, it's funny as people come out of the world like, oh, j j just so you know, gorillas also eat bugs and scavenge. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. And okay what about bulls what about oxes what you know like grains the biggest land, yeah the rhinos the biggest land mammals in the world are plant-based thank you and so here's my whole thing why don't we just skip eating the animal to get the protein that they're getting from the greens and the grains or whatever and why don't we just go to the source and leave the fucking animals alone well, why would we want to cut out the violence and the carcinogens and the terrible? Come on, Karen, get out of here. But this is what I'm saying. So they think vegans are stuck up like uh, privileged assholes when really we're just trying to say, hey, here's just some moral or ethical reasons. Oh, that doesn't work for you. Let's go to some scientific reasons. And I'm like, at some point, we just have to break it down that what people are really being enslaved to are their taste buds, their conditioning, yes. and their habits. That, that's what it boils down to. Your appetite is more important than your conscience. That's it. That's it. If you're not okay with me jamming a meat hook through a golden retriever in front of you, I don't know why you'd be okay with a cow. Wait a minute. You're not okay with a cow either. That's why you don't watch it. That's why you don't do it. That's why you're okay with it. You, you know, know what I mean? One of the biggest challenges I've had, people will say to me, oh my God, isn't it so hard being vegan? I was like, look, being vegan nowadays, like when I first became vegan and lived in New Hampshire like 23 years ago, You're like an thank OG. God, thank yeah. I know, but I'm like thank God there was like a co-op, a local co-op, and stuff like that. But my point being is that 
I'm like, it is a thousand times easier. Now I understand there are different economic conditions. Not everybody has access to, to, um, you know, greens and whole foods and things like that. I really understand the disparity. And a lot of people think that, you know, veganism is something that only uh, privileged white people have access to and stuff like that. So I under, I like to say, I don't like to make across the board statements. Right. That means it's true for every single person on the planet. I, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that when people say to me, is vegan being hard? I would say one of the hardest things for me about being vegan is the awareness that I do not live in a vegan world. Me, I'm hyper aware of the suffering that is happening in any given moment. Like I'm hyper aware that right now, like I say to people, how many turkeys do you think are killed every year? Just for Thanksgiving. We're not even talking the rest of the year, like just for Thanksgiving. And they look at me, I'm like, something like 50, 60 million, million animals like slaughtered for one holiday tradition. It like makes no sense to me. I'm like, aren't we smarter than this now? But here's my point. The hardest thing for me is keeping my big fat mouth shut. That's one of the hardest things for me as a vegan is when I'll see somebody being like, did you see on the news those cows that escaped the slaughter truck and they were running around the city and they're like, leave those cows alone. Like, let those cows like be free. And I'm like, oh, you mean while you're telling me this story over your fucking burger? Like me just like not being the vegan version of bacon, right? Like yep. not pointing out the fucking obvious <laughs> willful ignorance yep. all the time. That's probably one of the biggest challenges for me. It's just not saying like, like I know people who will say I'm an animal lover. I love animals. And I'll say, well, you seem to also love how they taste. You seem to also love eating them. And you're a pet you lover. Yeah, you don't. That's what I'll say. I say, well, actually, you're a pet lover. And I'll only go there if somebody opens that door and invites me. Yes. Because it's not my job to make people feel guilty, shameful, bad or whatever. But the hypocrisy and part of why I became vegan is a little bit of my own atonement. Like once I understood what I had been participating in. Yes. Jordan, I think I told you this. Like I was so ignorant I don't want to say stupid because I'm not a stupid person, but I was literally so ignorant. I was a city kid. I thought that dairy cows, like cows that produce dairy, were just dairy cows, like meaning that this is what their bodies naturally do. Like you feed them, they produce milk. I had no understanding yeah. that they're just like women and that when they when they have milk in their udders, it's because they're lactating because they're mommies, they're moms, and they're preparing food for their babies. And the only way that a cow is getting repeatedly impregnated is because men are shoving their fist up her and raping her and making her pregnant. But then you can't give the babies the milk because then you have no dairy industry or no veal industry. Let's be clear about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, so they must take the babies away from their mothers. And if you've ever heard a video of a mother cow crying for her baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to be dead inside to not feel just. I mean, I, I, I just I can't watch the videos anymore. Like I, I had to get to a point in my vegan journey where I try not to re-traumatize re myself about the horrors. I don't turn away from it. 
I bear witness, but I activate by what's on my plate. I activate by wearing your t-shirts. I activate by trying to just fucking live it. But here's my whole point. I'm sorry. I know I'm off on a tangent. Oh, yeah, no. And we're back. But um, the hottest thing for me is just keeping my big mouth shut when I when it's so tempting to point out that somebody is sitting across for you telling you they're an animal lover while they're fucking munching on one. I, I feel you 100%, right? And I know how easy it is to be that militant vegan, but I also remember what it was like not being vegan, right? I've been vegan nine years. I wasn't my entire life, so I've learned to meet people where they're at because it's the relationships I cultivate with other human beings that will elicit change, not F you, you're, for example, in the vegan community, um, there's a big portion of it that likes to shit on vegetarians, right? right. And, 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 and I get it because dairy, the cows that are kept enslaved, raped, forced bread and have their young stripped for them are the ones suffering. The ones who are slaughtered are, are lucky compared to the ones who are sure. enslaved and constantly impregnated until their body has nothing left to give and then they're slaughtered. So dairy is absolutely horrific, atrocious, inhumane, but I'm not gonna look at a whole group of vegetarians and be like, F you guys, do better. I'm like, right. hey, hey, you know what guys, you know what you can have instead of that milk? You can try this pea protein milk, this almond milk, this cashew milk, this flax milk. Oh, instead of cheese, have you tried this cashew cheese? Have you tried this pizza by Follow Your Heart? Like, so again, I'm learning how you approach it. Yes, education and not judgment. Listen, in my heart, am I a militant vegan? Absolutely. You know my history with rescuing animals and activism, but I want to make real change. And I I learned the way to do that is not F you. It's, hey, you, like, what can we do? Yeah, not hey, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, so, and a lot, a lot of the clients I work with are people who are meat eaters that are transitioning to vegan. Okay, so, let's talk about that. Then, can I interrupt you rudely? Please. So I just want to be clear. I'm not sitting around like judgy, judgy, McJudgy up on my thing, right? There's all, oh, I, I know kinds, that. There's all different kinds of vegans. There's like, and we've talked about this, right? My friend Norma has a great thing. Like I've met people, like, it's so weird. Like you, I'm going to come back to your client. So pick, hold that pin for me. But I've had um, people say, you know, oh, I'm vegan. And I just automatically assume they're an animal lover. And I'll be like, oh, so like you love animals too. And they're like, no, I don't give a shit about the animals. I just do it for my <laughs> cholesterol and stuff. And Norma's yeah. like, oh yeah, those are the megans. Like Megan, those are the megans, yes. right? It's just like meeting me first, the megans, right? It's just so fucking funny. But so let's talk about that because I think a lot of times people think, well, to work with somebody like a Jordan. So for the record, I have currently just recently rehired you. I've worked with you in the past and uh, I reached out and I was like, dude, I'm 54. I'm getting a little soft. I'm not going, I'm in menopause. Like I'm in that menopausal, whatever process. I'm not going down without a fight. And I wanted to get more serious. I wanted to, you know, um, cause I've just been kind of like coasting like doing my own thing. That's another story for another day. But when I was ready to get serious, I was like, I know exactly who I'm going to call. I'm going to reach out to my brother from another mother, my vegan Viking brother, uh, right? So, but here's the thing. I, I think sometimes people think they only come to you or you only work with people who are already vegan, but such a huge part of your business as a uh, online vegan nutrition strength coach, all that stuff is you help a lot of people transition but you also help people who are like just learning to substitute and stuff like that oh, yeah. so can you kind of talk about that a little bit more absolutely i keep it really simple so the way i help meat eaters and vegetarians transition to full vegan right it's all about progress not perfection 
simply, so I create a menu for my clients telling them exactly what to eat and how much of it. So there's no guesswork, right? So you know what your meals are, what your shakes are. So it's this simple. When I go to a regular bodybuilder and he's like, hey, here's my menu. I'm like, cool. That's like exactly what I'm creating for you, except we're substituting these three things. So here's what we're going to do. Instead of this to instead of this chicken or the steak or fish, we're going to have tofu in this meal. We're going to have tempeh in this meal and seitan in this meal. And it really is that simple. They, you know, everything's hard until it's easy. So they get very, people get overwhelmed, right? Like I wish I had someone come to me like myself and say, Hey, Jordan, listen, man, here's what you're going to eat. It's this simple. You're not changing your whole life. Let me see your plate. Okay, cool, man. You know, you have that fish, broccoli and rice. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this fish off. We're going to put the seitan here or this TVP. Congratulations. You're vegan. Like it, so it seems, seriously, it seems overwhelming, but you can get the same calories, the same macronutrients. And the cool thing is, and there's no argument. I'm not here to say keto's terrible or carnivore diet. So here's what I'm telling. And I'm saying this with absolute certainty. A plant-based diet is by far the healthiest and most beneficial diet for human beings, period. There's a reason when you have a heart attack or a stroke and you go to a doctor, they switch you to a plant-based diet. There's a reason that lions and tigers and bears don't have heart attacks. They digest cholesterol. We don't. We're not a lion or tiger or bear. So my thing with people is this. There's no debate. I'm not telling you not to eat meat, okay? I'm telling you this is better for you. And if you care about your health and you care about the health, and this is the big thing, the health of your children. Boy, I picked some people off telling them that what they're doing isn't good for their children. Boy, do parents get defensive. But when I tell them in that milk, do you know the FDA, there's allowed to be a certain amount of blood and pus in your child's milk, like literally allowed. Oh, you don't know there's blood and pus in the milk? Oh, what, what do you think these secretions are that are being taken out of the animal? They're animal secretions with blood and pus. And, and people don't understand. Not only that, it's carcinogenic. It's not that people are lactose intolerant. There's a reason everyone is. We're not made to consume dairy. It's for baby cows. Play, well, play, play let, let's also talk about how young women are developing breasts and getting their periods way sooner too, being on all of these hormones and stuff that come in dairy and come in all these things. And you're the dad, you're a girl dad, you have two little ones. It's like I was fortunate, yeah. Me and my ex were very, ex-wife, were very big on feeding them organic and hormone-free and antibiotic-free. I mean, people have no idea the amount of hormones <laughs> that's that that's freaking raging in meat and dairy. And, the, you know, like, it's just, it's and we can insane. even take it. We can even take it to a um, whether people want to call it a spiritual level or a next level. I mean, as somebody who um, uh, had that that surge of adrenaline that gives you like that super strength as you're fighting off two guys in your apartment, we know that when you're fighting for your life, your body is releasing all of this fear, these chemicals, these stress chemicals, cortisol, all that stuff. And it is going into the meat that people are eating too. I mean, I just, and I don't know if I can scientifically prove this, but it just makes sense to me that you're also ingesting the last moments of an animal's life when you're when you're putting them. No, in your there, there's science to that with fear and death and the slaughtering process, right? Cortisol is released heavily and that hormone can be found in the meat. So 100%, you're quite literally ingesting the hormone cortisol. You're ingest you're ingesting fear. Yes, there, yes. there is a thing to that. I have a I have a um a teacher Dharma Mitra. Dharma Mitra is Brazilian and he's a he's a famous world famous yoga teacher and I've studied with him quite a bit. And one of my favorite parts 
of um, being at a big a big event with him, whether it be like 100 people plus in the room or whatever, is he always gives a, a section of his talk and he'll say that um, when you eat meat, when you eat animals, your refrigerator becomes a morgue and your body becomes a graveyard. 100%. One of the first vegan shirts I saw was my body will not be a tomb for other creatures. I forgot who said that. It's actually a quote as well. Um, you know, there was yeah. many great philosophers and scientists and inventors who are vegan. It's not like a new thing, right? It's just, <laughs> again, the meat and dairy industry is so financially fortuitous. I mean, that's why there's government subsidies. That's, that's I mean, it's just, it's All a right. whole system. You know, it's the same system that you know, you had doctors making commercials in the 70s, smoking a cigarette, saying doctors prefer camel cigarettes. These, this, these, this is literally the same school of science and know-how that people are still relating to their meat and dairy. This know, is literally well, the same. Like, well, but here's the thing. You're only going to research what you really want to know. And most people don't want to have to give up what's familiar to them. And that's really what it is, is we're conditioned and it's like, oh, but my Grammy always makes me this when I go to her house or I could never give up cheese. How many times have you heard, but I could never give up cheese. I could never give up steak. I could never give up whatever. Right. And then, and then let's I heard it like come from my own mouth. I used to say that shit. <laughs> Literally. Swear to God. Well, I will say this, that Cheese was the last thing that I gave up, even though it was wreaking havoc on my digestive system. Uh, it's a very seductive food. It is a very um, comforting food, Absolutely. right? And we have we have emotional attachments to food. But let's let's you ready to play? Do you accept the challenge of me pretending to be a difficult client a little bit? Do you accept the challenge? This is real life. We're working together. Let's All right. Go. Well, Jordan, <laughs> but Jordan, um, I. Um, so just so you know, guys know, Satan is, uh, it's, so it's, it's spelled, I'm not saying Satan, P.S. by the way, it's, S it's spelled S-E-I-T-A-N and you pronounce it like S-A-Y-T-A-N, it's Satan, okay? So Satan is wheat meat. It is basically the gluten that mm -hmm. you, you make and it is highly high in protein, <laughs> It's a really high protein food. It's perfect. It's a perfect protein. Perfect protein. And I, I, I order mine from a little old lady in Vermont, and she hand makes it. And you saw my stash. I, I saw your stash, it. boy. I get it sent to me in ten pound. I get these pounders. They're called pounders, and I get ten of them frozen, sent to my house, handmade. It's the best seitan you'll ever have in your life. And dudes, I eat that. I get like thirty grams of protein. Like boom. Okay. But here's my and let's point. put it out there while we're here. It's a complete and abundant amino acid profile as well. So again, you're not losing anything. Just putting it out there. He's the science. I'm like the I'm like, here's what you need to know. It tastes fantastic. Agreed. <laughs> and it helps me to build build my muscles. Okay. So guns. Here's, here's the, mini guns. Mini guns. So somebody, what you hear a lot of though is people say, but I'm allergic to soy. So I okay. can't have tempeh, Jordan, and I can't have tofu. Now what do I do? So here's the thing. The first question I ask, because this happens nine times out of 10. Okay, so you're soy intolerant. Can I ask you where, where, where you heard that or where you figured that out? And then the answer is, oh, no, I, or I'm gluten intolerant. I'm like, a, a doc, when did the doctor? And literally, I'll ask. I'm like, oh, when did you get that? Pause? I'm going to interrupt yeah. and be rude. You guys, 
I, if you're listening to this right now, I wish you would just pause and go to YouTube and watch it because Jordan's making the best faces as he's like having these conversations with me. It's like so good. All right. So um, somebody's going to come to you and they're going to say, I can't have Satan because I'm gluten intolerant, not, so, not, not celiac disease, but they're gluten yeah. intolerant. And then they're so I'll play, say, the, I'll play yeah. this out with you. So, okay, okay yeah. Karen. So you don't eat gluten. Can I ask you when you got that diagnosis? Like, when did you do the allergy? No, I'm asking. This is what I would say. When did you get the allergy test? Like, when did you figure that out? Oh, well, I, I didn't actually um, get tested. I just know sometimes when I eat it, I get bloated. Got you. Okay. And do you know everything else you're eating alongside of it? I mean, it can be trial and error. I mean, what are you, what are you eating on those? Well, I, I haven't been tracking my food. Okay. I uh, got you. Okay, perfect. So this is going to be great for us. So here's what we're going to do. Contrary to popular belief, gluten's not necessarily just bad for you. It's only bad if you have cel celiac disease or a specific aversion to it. Monks in Tibet have actually been eating seitan for hundreds, thousands of years. It's a very basic, minimally processed, healthy protein source. So let's do this. We're going to try a little bit of seitan, okay, with this menu I give you. And if we find that you're bloating and everything, we'll eliminate it. And if the bloating dissipates, guess what? We'll know it's the seitan. And then if the bloating persists, we can do an elimination diet and even look into digestive enzymes. Then if you tell me you're uncomfortable with seitan still, because there are people like, nope, I'm not doing gluten, no matter what. I don't care. Okay, Karen, cool. Get it? We can do tofu and tempeh. Okay, there's also more processed products that we can have in moderation, like Beyond Meat, which is non-GMO pea protein. Okay, so the thing I'm finding here, when it, and yes. I'm not talking to client Karen, but just in general, everyone has heard that soy is bad for them. And man boobs, we, you're gonna get man boobs, estrogen. I wish I would never leave the house. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's <laughs> such a big, like, like that's such a big thing to say. But the fact of the matter is, when it comes to soy. They're plant-based estrogens, they're phytoestrogens. So they don't bind to your receptors in the same fashion. As a matter of fact, all credible science and modern data shows phytoestrogens to be beneficial for hormonal health for both men and women. The reason I say this is as follows. If phytoestrogens bind to the receptors, that means those receptors are plugged and there's no space for actual estrogen to bind. And given they hit the body completely differently, it can be beneficial for male hormonal health. So in summation, soy is not bad for you. Non-GMO soy is not bad for you. Non-GMO soy is not bad for you. It will not cause you to get moobs or man boobs. That, that's not, it's not real life. Um, likewise, you know, it, unless you've been to a doctor and you have a specific aversion to soy, again, rock and roll with it. Like there's, it's, it's just, and, and people don't believe in the propaganda, but the government has millions upon millions upon, dare I say, billions of dollars in meat and dairy subsidies. Like, you know, the government's heavily entwined with meat and dairy. So it, it behooves them for you to buy into that narrative of. Well, oh, that's how we got the food, the food pyramid and all those oh, things, God. right? So it's like, I know. So They should drop but, the food pyramid on the person's head that created it. <laughs> well, and let me say this. I am a little sensitive um, to, to tofu. If I eat like a huge batch of um, tofu scramble, I do get a little bloated. But I've been And that's the thing. So what do you, what do you do? I take digestive enzymes. And I just don't eat, like, I, I'm mindful of, like, what I'm eating it with. So I'll eat it with rice, which is way easier for me to digest. But I also have to be aware, oh, I ate this with broccoli, and that's a cruciferous vegetable. And so I take a digestive enzyme. So, so can I say this? Can I say how hypervigilant people are? And we are talking about how soy and this and that. Meanwhile, meanwhile, someone will say, oh, yeah, red meat, steak. Yeah, that doesn't sit well with me. But, you know, I'm going to have it Friday night. We're all going out for steak, right? And that's acceptable. That's okay. Pizza, Meanwhile, all of it. 
soy makes me a little bloated. But you, but you, so I'm not gonna have that. But I'm gonna go have that steak that's gonna sit in my belly for fucking. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, very interesting. Well, here's the thing. Here's what I want to say though: is that as somebody who has been, um, you know, my body has been navigating irritable bowel syndrome for a really long time, and so I have just made it. Um, like I just have a lot of awareness of how my body feels with certain foods. But I take a probiotic, I take a prebiotic, and I take digestive enzymes to support me. Uh, I always say, like, gluten, I'm a glutton for gluten. Like I, like I said, you open my freezer right now, you're going to see it's 10 deep. Well, actually, it's 9 deep, and it's about to be 8 deep because I'm having seitan tonight. So <laughs> I get so excited. So all right, so let's dive into this. So somebody can come to you. And it can be just like a householder. It can be somebody who's like, I want to lose, I want to lose weight. I want to lose fat. I want to gain a little bit of muscle. Uh, I'm getting older, Jordan. I don't want to fall down and break my hips. I want good bone density. So you help regular everyday people who want a great program. You can dive deeply into them. So we hear this thrown around a lot. And I think sometimes people are afraid to ask this question. So when people, when you say, because it's just part of your lingo, right? Of your everyday life. When you say, um, we'll track your macros, you'll get your menu and your macros. What do you mean when I go to your website and it's like, you get your macro package. What does that mean if you're somebody who has no idea what you're talking about? Sure. So macros represent macronutrients and your macronutrients are proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. And that's what all foods are comprised of. So when saying tracking your macros, it means being cognizant of the amount of calories you're taking in in totality, the same with the grams of proteins of, you know, fat and carbs. And the importance of this is, is once we know your body and your goals, we can say, okay, Karen, at 1800 calories, you're going to lose weight. Well, how are you going to know when you're at 1800 calories if you're not tracking the food? And that's where my fitness pal and chronometer and things like that come into play. And that's also, if that's not your cup of tea, that's why you also have the menu that's telling you, okay, I'm going to have four ounces of tofu, a half a cup, half a cup of rice and six ounces of broccoli. And you know, if you're eating this, you're within your calories. And I know tracking macros and all of that seems foreign to a lot of people. And that's okay. It's a process. It's about progress, not perfection. Yeah, and when people yeah. tell me they don't want to track, I'm like, Hey, I get it. You don't like tracking. You know what else you don't like? How you look and how you feel. <laughs> and and it's the damn truth. If you're not willing to take five minutes out of your day to track your calories, then a, a bit, you don't want to change them. Dude, let's talk about this. Let's make the correlation. So between my work, one of the things I often say to people is, I'll say, they'll be like, oh, I'm having a really tough day. Burr, burr, burr. And I'll say, well, did you do your DSP? Did you do your daily spiritual practice? Did you do your morning ritual? And they'll say no. And I'll say, oh, okay, let me get this right. So you don't have time to do the things that you know that are going to help you and make you feel better. Uh, but you have plenty of time to be fucking miserable. Correct. And, and then they're thinking. And, then and they're deep like, down, they're like, yes. Shit, shit. <laughs> I don't want to answer this. But here's my point, okay? So I'm a, I'm back with you. I'll, I'll consider myself an, a, a new client, but we've, we've been down this road before. And so I went from eating just like mostly fasting. I, I love to, I love the way I feel in a fasted state. So up until like two weeks ago, right? I was basically just eating one meal a day. And I would, I would like, whatever, eat my dinner, like not whatever, right? And then I'm like, all right, enough of this shit. And it's not about enough of this shit, meaning fasting. I was like, I'm getting soft. I'm like, I feel like I'm getting soft. And I hate that feeling. And uh, I've been an athlete my whole life. I've been a gym rat my whole life. I'm like, it's time yep. to get back into it. So I hit you up 
And you say to me, you got to start tracking. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm going to go from not counting calories because who like whatever, not, not doing anything, not really having a structured workout to now like we're in it. Like I'm tracking everything that goes in my mouth. I'm tracking every rep. I'm tracking every rep I do or don't do. I'm tracking if my weight goes up, not my physical weight, but lifting weight goes up like whatever. And I got to say, there's something really satisfying of like being able to track and seeing that like you're meeting your goals and that you're like, okay, so I'm going to let you talk. But I just want to say, if you're somebody out there and you're listening, you're like, it's too much. It's too much hard work. Um, it's all about how you look at it. And for me, the proof is in the pudding. For me, it's really fun to be able to see the analytic an- analytics and to see like, oh, like when you get to the end of the day, like I'll never forget this conversation when I said to you, hey, Jordan, I get to the end of the day and I have like 200 calories left. And when I was making my salad, I'm thinking, oh my God, it's two like two tablespoons of salad dressing. And you said to me, hey, live a little. You got the calories. Go for that third <laughs> tablespoon of dressing. Fucking lay it was on so there. fucking funny. And I was like, oh my God, I get to have three tonight, whatever. So like, just talk to, to us about like, like we're talking about that resistance. I guess what I'm just trying to say to people is that you can do it. It's all about the attitude. It's all about your own level of integrity and how serious you are about your commitment to making the change. One, 100%. And I'll say it like this. Let's not look at it like I have to track my macros. Let's yeah. look at it as I get to because now I understand you. And here's the benefit. I think I speak and I've worked with bodybuilders, powerlifters, athletes, busy moms and dads, office professionals every day, just, you know, people who don't like even going to the gym. I have worked with everyone. And here's the one thing. This is how it's so beneficial. Whenever we eat anything like a cookie or a slice of pizza or a piece of cake, we feel like we're falling off track and we have that mentality like, well, I had one slice. I might as well eat the whole freaking box, right? Like, <laughs> so I love the other night you came to me and you were like, oh, there's these little cookies I really enjoy eating. You know, there's these little cookies and you're like, I have X amount of calories. And I'm like, hey, guess what, Karen? You get to stay on in track and live in line with your goals and still eat these fucking cookies. How good does that sound? So this is what I love about tracking macros is you're able to construct your day of eating and still have that serving of chips or that slice of pizza or those three cookies and look at your calories and say, well, hot damn, I got to eat what I wanted when I wanted and my calories are max. Hey, I'm in line with my goals. I didn't fall off track and I got to eat three cookies. So that's why we like to track macros because we have this habit of thinking we've done something wrong or we failed or I'm cheating if I eat a cookie. No, I'm going to have to sacrifice, right. Or I'm going to have to sacrifice things that I love. So like perfect example, yesterday or two days ago, I sent you a picture of these uh, Cliff Bar vegan builder bars, the protein bars. And I send you a picture and I was just like, it was literally like I sent it and then I'm crossing my fingers and I was like, Hey, Hey, um, Hey, Jordan, um, how do you feel about these bars? And I thought for sure you were going to say like, ah, oh, it's crap protein or there's too much of this. And you're like, actually, I'm a fan. And then you start going into your geek speak of the nutrients and like all the stuff. And you're like, actually, those can be great after your workout. And I was so jazzed. I immediately went to the store and I got like four boxes, boxes of like different ones. And I was like, sweetie, I get to have the builders bars again. And they've saved my ass the last two days. I've been really busy. I didn't have time to like make a thing. I pound one of the, first of all, they're yummy. They're um, good as hell. They're so good. And 
they're satisfying. So like I snapped one in half yesterday. I ate half after the gym with my protein shake. And then I ate the other half as my after dinner treat. Cause it's like having a, it's not a candy bar. Like candy bar lovers would be like, don't call that a candy bar. But I'm like, it's sweet enough that it hits it's that sweet spot. Enough. It hits that spot. So I guess what I'm trying to say guys is, you know, Jordan will work with you to create something that will work for you. Right. He's not just going to be like, Oh, I mean, he's not going to let you get away with shit. Right. Like when he ups the volume and he's like, Hey, how about we make it a five day trading session? But I asked for it. I mean, that's the thing is you start to get excited. And <laughs> I I just, even, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Do it. No, I just, I, that's something I just, I love that when we started, it's like, yeah. Right. Karen's like, yeah, I'm going to get started and kind of like get going again, get moving, getting soft. So I'm going to train from home, maybe three, four days a week. I got my equipment in the basement to, Hey, I'm going to join a gym. I'm going to join a gym and I'm definitely going to do four days a week. And then a few days later, like, you know what? I want to do a fifth day. I want to slam my shoulders. Like, you know what I mean? Yes, because I love, there's certain body parts you usually end up loving. Like, what's your favorite body part to train? I'm like, you. Yeah, I'm a gym rat at heart too. Like, I love boulders. I love training my shoulders. I love training my shoulders so oh. much. So what was happening, you guys, and not in my defense, but what happened is my split, I had a four-day split. So I was training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and taking Wednesdays off or just going to do cardio. And I realized that my he was sneaking my shoulders in on other days. And I was like, look, my shoulders just aren't getting the respect they deserve. They're not getting the attention they deserve. And uh, these things are like prime, prime, uh, you know, prime, I don't want to, prime real estate. Let's call it that. And I was like, I want to have, I'm like, can't we, can we just do a shoulder day? And I'm like, but I don't want to be at the gym. And I said, oh, and then it occurred to me. Well, if I go five days a week, I'm going that day anyways for cardio. And because uh, I'm not like my sweetie, I'm not running outside in the winter. He'll, he's running right through the winter. I'm like, God bless you. I'm like, put yeah. me on a treadmill. Put me on a treadmill with some music and I'm good. But here's my point. I was like, I'm working out five days, but my workouts on those days are shorter because each day has its own day. And it's, it's great to mentally prepare, right? It's like how... And we'll talk about this in a second, like my work with you, wait, you working with me in spiritual mentoring and all the other stuff. We'll talk about that. Um, you wake up in the morning and you know, this is what I got to do. Yeah. This is my ritual. This is what I'm doing today. And it's the same thing for me. I don't go to the gym and walk around. I go to the gym, fucking sign in. I put my earbuds in and I get to work because I have a man with a plan. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, and he's, he's helping me to empower myself. So the great thing about working with Jordan and you guys, he's not paying me for this. This isn't an infomercial. I'm just saying like, don't have to feel like you have to figure it all out on your own. You have somebody who can walk it through you. And if you're like, Hey, I'm a seasoned gym person. Just give me the macros in the workout. You can do that. If you want, if you're somebody who wants a little bit more handholding, it's a higher level. I don't know. It's like the one-to-one. -one. And then you have the package that I have, which is like the super duper high level hands-on touch, getting getting, getting the, the check-ins and all that stuff. And that's been fantastic. And I have no doubt, like the other night I called you and I was like, or, um, you know, I messaged you or whatever. And I said, hey, um, you know, I was talking about like, you know, the, the thing that I track gives me these little messages like you hit your five personal bests or whatever. And yeah, I guess, yeah. I'm such a geek. So I send you a screenshot of it. I love it. Yeah. And then you came back and you said, hey, look, we have our check in. Remember, this is the high, high level touch one, the, the program he offers. And he's like, hey, we have our, our stats uh, meeting coming up, you know, at, at uh, the beginning of next week. And if you just keep doing what you've been doing, 
Like I could hear the excitement in your voice. I could hear you getting excited oh, yeah. for me because I think that's what any good coach wants. First of all, I'll say this. All good coaches and mentors know that they need coaches and mentors, which is like the work that we're doing. Like you're helping me with your genius and brilliance and skill set. And then I'm helping you with my genius and brilliance. A good and coach set. has to be coachable or else how are you going to learn to impart more wisdom on your own clientele? Like you had, we had to get coached to get where we're at. So why are we going to stop that continued education and learning? We're not going to stop. That's the whole thing. So it takes a certain amount of humility and humbleness and willingness and curiosity and all of those things. So I could just say to you, I used to be a personal trainer way back in the day. And I was like, I know I could put together a quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, you guys, decent enough program. I know I, I, I'm like, I, I could look it up online and figure out 1500 calories and I'm like, but why would I want to do that? Why not invest in myself? Like people think, oh, I'm giving Jordan the money, but I'm investing in myself. Do you know how many people I meet? And look, I'm not saying I look great or like I'm not being vain or arrogant or whatever. There are a lot of people who are 54 who do not look healthy, who do not look well. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm making my point. You're looking at me a little funny, but my point is, is like, I'm like, I'm investing. Yes, I'm giving, you know, if, if, if somebody's working with you, they're giving you money, but what they're investing in is their own vitality, is their own well-being, is their own health, their own wellness, their own happiness. We know going to the gym and doing stuff releases endorphins. So my mental health, my wellness physically, spiritually for me, it's it's a spiritual act for me to be at the gym, to listen to music, to sweat, to move my body, to just have like me be with myself and talk, yes. you know, it's like, it's a powerful thing. So I don't know where I'm going with that other than to say, investing in ourselves, I think is an important thing to do. It, it is, it really is, but not everyone, right? understands the importance of coaching and continued education and people have a problem putting a price tag on things that aren't tangible items. Right. It, it, oh, it, it's, no. Dude, right? I'm a spiritual mentor. Try to, yeah. try to put something you're tangible right. on that. Right. Anyway, you're, yeah. you're, you're fucking hundred percent. You get it. You know what I mean? And it, it's one of those things where you really have to know what you want and trust the process. Like I said to you, the reason I get it amped up for you is because I know if you continue doing what you're doing, you might not know, but I know what's in store for you because I've seen it thousands of times. And it's hard for people to picture themselves with abs because they've never seen it before. It's hard to picture them in shape because they've never been there before, right? Like I see, and it's a little different because you were a gym rat and you you know you know what's to come, but but it's like you said. I've example, never had abs. I've never had abs in my not, life. Not yet, not yet. Not yet. Not but yet. I'm, right. But I'm just saying, like, I haven't had yeah. that experience yet. So that's kind of exciting. I didn't even and, think you were going to yeah. say that just now. <laughs> yeah. And what we're doing, it's not the goal is not to have abs. The, the, the idea is to get you in the best shape of your life and having that reflect aesthetically. So it, it's like you said, even though you could go to the gym and do all this, listen, like it's like us. Right. I've read all of these books on um, personal development and psychology and Tony Robbins and law of attraction and the secret and all in therapy and this and that. It's a little different when I have a spiritual teacher who says, it's, here's what we're doing today. I'm holding you accountable for your morning routine. It's a little different when I have someone like you, right, who can take all of these spiritual teachings and impart them to me in ways that just resonate with me that haven't before. Like, it, it's hard to, does, does that make sense? Like, no, just because sure. you know the, the principles doesn't mean you have the, not, having not, okay. 
I'm a rambler too. Having knowledge is one thing. Having the wisdom to actually practically apply it to your life is a different thing. Like the stuff we've been doing has just been amazing because it's been sticking. It's easy to say, okay, be positive. Cool. Well, what strategies do you have to be positive? What are you doing to, to break the negative patterns? And that's, that's some, one of the things we're doing. So again, a good coach needs to be coachable. Um, and I'm sure I'll, I'll take your lead on this and get more into it, but I do want to kind of emphasize like how important it is, like the work, the work that we've been doing only because I've been benefiting from it so freaking much that, you know, I want to shout Thank it from you. the rooftops without like sounding like I'm inflating your ego either. Do you know what I mean? Well, I'm not going to, I don't, you know? I mean, I mean, that's the thing is like, so I'm waiting for you to do like the guru line where like you cannot inflate an ego that doesn't exist. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Trust me, we all have an ego. We all have an ego. Um, it's just that I don't take credit so I can pass on to you. Right. So people like, so spiritual mental, like, what does that even mean? So my listeners know they've been listening to me, my big mouth long enough, but I know some people are going to listen to this podcast just because you're on it. Like your people are going to listen to it. So I'm a lot of things. Right. And that's the beauty and the fun of working with me. I think I don't mean this arrogantly. I mean, it's just fun. It's like, I, I'm a spiritual mentor. I'm a life coach. I'm a certified hypnotist. I've been a yoga teacher. I'm a gateless writing teacher. I, I'm a Reiki master, Thai massage. Like I bring all of these different tools to the table. So, um, you know, brain science, neuroscience, you and I have been talking a lot about that in working with you about you know, like habits and, and how habits are created and identity and the way that we think about ourselves. So it's a blend of like, I always say the somatics and spirituality and neuroscience and hypnosis and all these different tools to break habituated patterns. And sometimes the habituated patterns are literally physical things. Like you have a really strong habit of going to the gym and that's mm -hmm. a positive thing in your life, right? But you also have some other habits that sometimes take you out at the knees and whether that's the story that you're telling yourself or whatever you're focusing on. And hello, PS, not just, not just Jordan, Jordan and everybody else. That's why sure. I have coaches and mentors and spiritual helpers divine helpers, as I often call them, who help me to get out of my own way. And so the work that we've been doing, a lot of it is just kind of learning about pattern interrupts. It's about coaching the unconscious mind, right? It's about putting in new empowering beliefs and then fucking questioning. Like, okay, that thought that I just had, what the fuck is that about? Like, where did that come from? And how can I stop it? How can I interrupt it? Because it's not serving me, right? So when you try to talk about, I always say, when you say to people, I'm a spiritual mentor, they kind of look at you like a dog that heard a funny sound. They're like, what is that? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I, so I'm laughing because I'm like, well, now, like, you know, becoming a certified life coach as well and hypnosis and all these things, it now feels like I'm like, I have a little bit more tangible things, but I've always had the spiritual toolkit. I've always had these things and being able to impart them to somebody like you who already has, like, I would say like a discipline gene, like meaning I'm not saying like you were born with it, but you sure. have like you know what it's like to get up and train. You have a competition, a powerlifting competition coming up soon, right? Mm -hmm. You know you're not going to be at your best if you skip the gym, if you don't go and do your reps, 
So I'll often say what you and I are doing, like you're helping me build my physical muscles, right? And also my mental muscle to get back in the gym and track my food. And I'm helping you to build spiritual muscles. I'm helping you to build new muscles in the area of questioning that thought or interrupting that pattern or stop seeing yourself as a diagnosis or a label or something that other people told you you were. And instead saying, oh, these are simply things that came from trauma or that have become habituated that I'm now questioning and looking at and I'm seeing myself in a new light. And when a motherfucker starts to see himself with the light shining on him, rather than being curled up in the dark, being told that you're stuck with this thing or you can't change, or you're looking at your past, trying to try to predict your future based on your past, we're screwed. So I'm just kind of coming in and saying, hey brother, there's another way. There's a different way. I, listen, I, I, I second everything you said, and it's quite amazing too, because people don't even know they're operating on old programming until you have the programmer come in and point out the program that's been running. And all of a sudden you realize like, oh, wow, I've been living in this perpetual pro and you don't know that you can change it. So it's quite amazing to be made aware that you really are in control and these habits, these things that you don't like can be changed. And like, it, again, I equate it to the whole coaching thing. Like, um, if Mr. I tell this to clients, if Mr. and Miss Olympia have coaches, we're not above it, right? So like, likewise, why should your mental and emotional journey not be, it, it should be just as important. It should be just as important, uh, you know? And I don't know, the work that we're doing, and again, I'm not talking about anything. I find it just to be so much more beneficial than just talking to a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. It's one thing to talk to someone and vent, and another thing for us to have a session and go over different tools that can be practically implemented for a better quality of day to learn that you can interrupt your thoughts and not be like a dog chasing its tail. You, you, you literally, you don't have to go down the rabbit hole. Like, oh, this happened to me last, uh, 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 no, no, no. Yeah, it did happen to you last year. It's not happening to you today. So we're gonna go ahead and let that go and pattern interrupt. It's amazing. Sometimes we feel like we have to go down these rabbit holes and chase this way of thinking and analyze it and break it down. And just like you reminded me the other day, just like Einstein said, right? You can't solve a problem with the same type of thinking that created it. Something you said to me just the other day. So when you learn how to take a breath, and ground yourself and become the observer of your thoughts rather than wrapped up in them. Holy shit. The world changes. You Everything know? changes because it's like the world opens up to you and there's the possibility of choosing differently. Yeah. Because when you don't, when you, when you're, when you're in your loop of whatever it is, your victim loop or the, the, the past and like whatever. And it's like, we have time traveling problems. I always say to people, oh, you have a time traveling problem. You're time traveling into the past and you're in your regret and your shame and your guilt and all your shit. And then, and then you're time traveling to the future and you're getting anxious and worried and projecting and your life is fucking happening in the present moment. Healing is happening in the present moment. Love is happening in the present moment. All the goodness is right here, but you're too busy you know, traveling to the past and traveling to the future and you're missing out on your fucking life. But who taught us that? That's what I'm saying. What do I always say to you? And when when did we get taught that? Never. Yeah. That's what you've been Never. saying the last couple is like, who's teaching? Who? No, but this is why you have, we're adults. You need to actively seek this stuff out. It ain't going to fall into your lap. Like, remember the other day I was telling you, I know because you got goosebumps. I remember this when I said this to you about um, Joe Lewis, the great fighter. And he said, I can teach you every trick. I can teach you every technique. 
He's like, but I cannot teach you to be a fighter. That has to come from within you. And what I would say is I can't teach you to be curious. Like I can't want your happiness and peace for you more than you want it. Like I cannot drag you kicking and screaming into your well-being. Right. You've got to play a proactive role in it. You've got to play a proactive role in your own healing, in your own happiness, in your own wholeness. That's just the requirement. That is a that is the skin that is required to get in the game is you have to say, like, you know what? Um, I'm sick of feeling this other way. I don't you don't even have to know how we're going to do it. You just have to show up with a tiny bit of willingness. You got to want it. That's it. You got, but, but again, the only way to want it is to know that it's possible. And unfortunately, most people think this is who I am. Like, for example, when the box of pizza is on the counter and they see the slice that they ate, right. And they see the rest. Well, I'm just the kind of person that polishes it off. That That's who I am. Sorry. I love pizza. You know, that that's your story. That okay. doesn't have to be your story anymore. You don't have to be that person. That was a decision you made. That That's not set in stone. It's a hundred percent not set in stone. So it's a story and it's also over time, a story that gets repeated becomes an identity. Cause what you just said was really important. I'm just the kind of person that polishes the whole thing off. That's an identity. And here's the news. You cannot outperform your identity. You told me that's something you said a couple of times to me that hits me. So if you're sitting, yeah, if you're sitting around and you're self-identifying as I'm somebody who's depressed or I'm somebody who's always late or I'm somebody who always starts things but never finishes them, I'm somebody. So every time you repeat that, your subconscious is getting programmed. And this is why I always laugh when I talk about hypnosis and coaching the subconscious mind and subconscious reprogramming. I'm like, I use hypnosis to help de-hypnotize people because you're already fucking hypnotized. You're hypnotized by the things that you tell yourself every single day, the stories mm -hmm. that you repeat to yourself every single day. There's power like, in words. There is such power in words. There's such power in words. So you do your own kind of pattern interrupt by asking people to track their food because it forces me to be mindful. It forces me to pay attention. It forces me to, to, and I said to you the other night, I'm not used to like writing down or like in the app, which is cool. Uh, but now it's like two weeks in, I'm like, oh yeah, I got to add a food. I do the thing and bing, bang, boom. And I, I get the thing and I'm like, ooh, I have 148 calories left. And I'm like, hmm. Mm -hmm. And like last night I had like, I either had like 46 or 86 calories left. And I was like, now nah, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not, I don't need those. And my sweetie said, well, do you want a piece of gum? And I was like, cause it's only 10 calories. And I was like, no, actually I think I'm good. And I really am loving the process and I can't wait. I know it takes time. Here's another thing I want to say that samesies about the work that you do for me and the work that I do with you is that, uh, I mean, I'm the one doing the work working with you. Like I'm the one going to the gym and tracking. You're helping me to reach my goals and samesies, samesies reverse. But here's the thing. We're both in businesses where we know results are going to take a little bit of time. Absolutely. So patience is so important. And what are you going to say to people who come to you and they're like, I need to lose 30 pounds and like, I got to lose it. Like I heard you say earlier, this might take a year. This might take six months. So what in your, and I know everybody is different, but is there a threshold or a rough gauge of like, Usually if people are being honest 
and transparent and they're following shit and not lying. How long does it usually take for like physical changes to start to appear in the mirror? I don't give a shit about the scale, although some people do. I'm not judging. Sure. But really? my numbers usually go up when I lift. Like I weigh more when usually when right. I start to lift. So I don't care about that number. But what do you think it takes? Because I've heard different trainers say different things. So what's your take on physical changes being um, like seeing it with your own eyes? So here's what I tell people within the first two weeks, if you're following it, you're going to have results period within the first two weeks, there's going to be tangible results within the first two weeks and the first month. Right. Here's what I tell people, because some people want a specific number, like how many pounds. And here's what I tell people. I make you a guarantee and I guarantee it because it's science. While you're working with me, we will reach whatever your maximum potential is within that time frame. I've worked with clients obese, um, well over 350 pounds go heading towards four we lost like something like over 115 pounds in the first year wow. but keep in mind in the first month he like dropped like 20 pounds right but then you also have the female client who weighs 148 pounds and for her losing a pound in a month is going to be the equivalent you know what i mean like so what i tell people is this if you do exactly like like and again it's about progress not perfection but if you're following your plan you will have results within the first two weeks and without a doubt like I guarantee it within the first month, right? Now, again, the amount of which will depend on your body, your metabolism. But again, my guarantee, and I say it with absolute certainty, is we will reach your maximum potential. So if Karen's body is able to release two pounds in that time frame, then it will. It will. Like I've done this, um, man, I've been doing the online coaching for over nine years now, and I've literally helped over 4,000 clients, like in counting. So how do you ever get into a place where... Um, Because how much, one thing we haven't talked about, hydration. I mean, it just makes sense. Drink your water. Gallon of water a day for everybody. Gallon of water a day for everybody. So how about sleep though? How much sleep sleep affects your hormones in such a big way? Sleep is incredibly important. I mean, there's a lot to be said. We do what we have to do, but when you can adhere as close as you can to your natural circadian rhythm and go to sleep at night when the hormones are appropriate, right? And there's a whole science behind it, like waking up in the morning and your first glimpse of light, whether it be, you know, artificial or real, triggers the process. So rest is incredibly important. That's right. When you clear out the gunk out of your brain, your body, and you recover. But we have to operate within the parameters of what life affords us. So some clients are able to get six hours, eight hours, 10 hours. Ideally, you can get a solid seven, eight hours of sleep. That would be ideal. Some people have to operate at five or six. You do what you have to do. But in reference to your question, Sleep is incredibly important and underrated. We hear that whole thing. Oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You'll get there sooner than later. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I do know. You, you got, you got, you got, you got, and I'm not a good sleeper, but I'm honest. I'm, I'm a night owl by nature. I'm not a good sleeper. I, I take melatonin. I definitely have to gear down at night, right? I'm amped the F up, but I know how that translates to how I feel the next day to my training, to my recovery. So sleep and water are essential. And again, water, water, water. You said water a gallon a day minimum for everybody. Water not only cleanses your body and it's great for the internal organs, but helps facilitate the processes of building muscle and fat loss and nutrient transport. Very important. A gallon of water is what, 128, 128 ounces or something like that? I believe, yeah. So there's what? So I think it's like 120 ounces, might be 128. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, I haven't been hitting that. Okay. I've been hitting between like 88 and 96. Damn it, Karen. Um, I know. I'm blowing it. I'm blowing it. But look, at I suck this one down. I'm going to put another one. Hey. But so look at Here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm just so happy to see you. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm lucky because I get to talk to you quite a bit because we're 
samesies like i'm working with you you're working with me so we have a lot we have a lot of contact and stuff like that but i know that you have changed the lives of so many people you've helped so many people uh so you guys it's it's consciousmuscle.net you can go and find him and stuff like that you also just released like it's a little pre-code sale on these hoodies i don't know yeah this is coming out next week they'll still be up the pre-sale will still be up i think i'm so excited to get new gear because it's been a long time and i'm like dying but like you you just moved i mean you moved uh to be closer to your girls that's a whole thing there's been some changes in your business but you're also making some cool changes to your business right now you have a lot going on right now yeah Right. I a mean, lot going on. Yeah. A lot with, we have the supplement company. I'm restructuring my coaching. Um, here's the thing, even if you, as you know, right. Same kind of same industry, right. Even as a coach, you have a system, you're constantly wanting to improve on it and fine tune it and give your clients the best experience possible. So the more people you work with, the more questions you get, the more feedback you get. So I'm constantly fine tuning and honing in on it and trying to provide just the best experience possible. So a lot going on right now, but, you know, a little overwhelming, but got a good team. You know what I mean? Of people in my corner, including yourself. So, yeah. You know. Well, let's talk about the the supplement company really quick. So, yeah. I mean, I know that was really exciting for me to, um, you know, be like, oh, it's an all vegan company. And I know your partner, our buddy Mako, uh, you know, that was one of the things like you said to him, hey, if we're going to be uh, an all vegan supplement company, that means you need to go vegan. Will you tell that little cute little story real quick? Yeah, we um, so I started having a lot of success with conscious muscle and building an audience. And um, I started getting a lot of endorsement at um, uh, I don't want to say endorsement deals, but approached for them like, hey, how would you like to wrap our protein? How would you like to start this protein? Blah, blah. So anyways, my best friend Marco owns Total Nutritions, and he's an incredibly savvy businessman. And when it comes to supplements, scientist knows everything. He's the best. So, you know, I was talking about this with him. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to start a company together? So, you know, why am I going to build someone else's dream and rep their protein? We have the wherewithal. Let's do it. You know what you're doing. I have the audience. We have the capital. And the only thing was like, obviously, if you're going to do an all vegan supplement brand, you got to be vegan yourself. So Marco said, Okay, so when we start doing it, I'll go vegan. Fucking guy. Day we do it, went vegan, cold turkey, uh, not only went vegan, but continued powerlifting and broke all of his powerlifting PRs as a vegan. And Marco is competing again with me at the Battle of the Bay, February 25th. And if he hits his numbers, Karen, and this isn't like, and this is a sanctioned, you know, sanctioned powerlifting event where it's recorded, like, like, if Marco hits his numbers at this competition, pound for pound, he will be the strongest man in the world at that weight class. He might break every world record at this competition. Okay, I'm getting teary-eyed even thinking about this. I get so excited. For like, do you understand people? what that means? Though, like, like it, it's hard for me to grasp. He's gonna like literally the number, and not just like the strongest vegan in the world, the strongest no, guy but, in Florida. But dude, let me just say this. I'm interrupting you because I want to say this to people. So. When you first started this whole supplement company, because like I said, I found you, we found each other, I think it was seven years ago, 2016, I reached out to you and sent you a message. It's been a long time. And then we ended up hopping on the phone or whatever. And we did, what like, a call. We did an impromptu spiritual mentoring. I was calling you about training and it, I ended up doing that whole thing because that's, I mean, that's just kind of my personality. I'm like, Calling about training, like two hours later, I'm sit- sitting in the rain in the parking lot in my car, like crying, fucking telling her my life story, bro. Like I thought we were talking about training here and I'm here like, yeah, what a, what a first phone call, yeah? Like, holy shit. Okay, it's how we became a uh, brother and sister from another mother. But here's the thing. 
So when you started this company, I was like, okay, what is, what is this creatine? What is this pre-workout? What is all this stuff? Right. And then I'm like, more importantly, who is this guy? Right. So Marco's got like this great black curly hair. He's jacked. I saw that he owned these nutrition stores, but I'm like, what's his deal? And I stopped following him on social media. And when I tell you, like, there's something that I do, like if I'm getting worked on by a massage therapist and it's really deep and like it hurts, I just start laughing. Like there's a part of me, like laughter is one of the way, not always inappropriately, but I often laugh at things. When I see Mako lifting, like when he posts a video, I just immediately start laughing because I cannot fucking believe how much weight he's pushing. Like I just think to myself, who is this guy? I was, I'm always like staring at my thing with my mouth wide open. Like he's a beast. He's a beast. And the fact that his numbers only got better when he went vegan, like I can't even stand it. I'm, I know. I'm giddy inside. I mean, he's, you guys, Marco Galindo, right? Galindo, not Galinda. Yeah. Marco Galindo Jr. Jr. Find him on online and watch some of his videos. You are going to be astounded. What you know, when the bar starts to bend a little bit on the ends, because there's so many plates, I mean, he's next level, dude. It's it's insane. And, and again, like it's and I'm not talking him up. He's literally one of the most elite lifters in the world. I mean, it's insane to watch a guy in his 190s deadlift 800 pounds. It's insane. I can't even handle that right now. So it, wait. it's crazy. All right. Last thing I do want to talk about, because I think this is important. Yeah. Is a difference between like um like going to the gym and CrossFit, right? There's a difference between like going to a regular gym and CrossFit. There's yeah, a- CrossFit's not a real sport. Continue. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm completely kidding. CrossFitters. Just kidding. He's, just bu- he's busting chops. Yeah, 100%. Right, there's also a difference between bodybuilding and powerlifting. Now, yeah. I remember when I tried to, one of the other things was I was like, oh, I'm going to get back in the gym. This was years ago. And I went to this gym and it was a powerlifting gym. And I could tell that there was a constant feeling of, I'm not going to say people weren't nice to me. They were nice to me, but there was like this underlying condens- con- con- like being like a condescendingness to me because I was a vegan. It was almost like, oh, isn't that cute? The little, the little vegan, right? So um, one of the things I realized though, and this is no offense to anybody, please, whoever's listening, right? But when I looked at a lot of power lifters, I'm like, all they care about is getting strong. They're not going for aesthetics. And so I'm like, but I don't want to look like anybody in this gym. Like, I don't want to look like this, right? I mean, when I was lifting back in the day on my own, like in college when I was young, right? I was like 163. I've been the thick girl. I have never been like so jacked. I've never been a bodybuilder, but I've always been a lifter. Um, but I just remember being in that gym and I'm like, this is a different world. Like power lifting is like a different world. Um, and I'm not saying anything bad about it. I think being fucking strong is amazing. And I love seeing strong women, but it's a whole different approach. So how has it been for you kind of being a bodybuilder who's also now kind of in the world of power lifting? Like, how do you sure. reconcile that? So I've always loved bodybuilding. It's been my passion. I've never really cared about powerlifting. I've never cared about being strong. I've cared about looking strong. Bodybuilding is <laughs> about looking strong. And it just so happens that wait, by a wait, bodybuilding. Wait. Yeah. That's a that's a power that's a big sentence there. Yeah. Because people see bodybuilders and they're fucking jacked. 
And then you just said bodybuilding isn't about being strong. It's about quote unquote, looking strong. Well, that's, sure. that's a big thing to say. For, yeah. Perfect. Perfect example. So bodybuilding is about fiber recruitment or time under tension. Meaning if let's say a gentleman has, or a female a lady has a barbell with 135 pounds and does 10 reps, constant tension on the pec, right? And then you got the person who's going to do 400 pounds twice. You're working on strength. Believe it or not, the person who benches the lighter weight for more repetitions and causes more tension is going to elicit more growth. So bodybuilding is about taxing the muscle so it grows back bigger and stronger, whereas powerlifting is just about getting stronger. The cool thing is the new generation, guys like uh, myself, Marco, or our best friend, Brandon, were considered like power builders, meaning we do our powerlifting exercises first, like, for example, our flat bench. And then we do all of the bodybuilding accessories after. And that's why Marco, Brandon, and I look how we look, whereas old school powerlifters, a lot of them, yeah, beefy, big, and and that's, and that's okay too, right? I know for me, how I look and how I feel is more important than my overall strength. Powerlifting was a personal journey for me. I never cared about it. My two best friends have always powerlifted. And I happen to have a very bad shoulder injury, which prevented me from bench pressing, even just the barbell. I couldn't do a flat bench. And my form was off with my squats and deadlifts so badly that after, you know, 300 pounds, I'd be in extreme pain. I know that 300 might sound like a lot, but it's not. And I found a powerlifting coach, Matt Levine at Gorilla Bench in Clearwater, who helped me with my form and my shoulder. And I went from not being able to do 135 once in over a year to being able to damn near push close to 400 pounds. So for me, powerlifting is like my statement to myself saying, you know, you love bodybuilding and that's great, but we're about to challenge ourselves, push through limiting beliefs and hire that powerlifting coach. Again, the power of coaching and this man helped me break plateaus, helped me with my form. I mean, this guy had me fucking vomiting during workouts. Like after a workout, I remember one time he's like, all right, we're doing hundred reps on the leg press. And I laughed at him and I looked at him. I literally laughed and I'm like, oh, okay. Cause I'm already sweating. And, and, and he's like, Little and powerlifting, like it's more hardcore gyms. Like, fuck you laughing at. And looked at me and I went down on the leg press. And I remember I'm like 60 reps in. I've never felt. And he's like, Jordan, literally, he looked at me in the eye and he's like, Jordan, it's just pain. You've been hurt before. It's just pain. He goggins you. He did. He goggins me like a month. So, powerlifting for me has been a, a, a personal journey of breaking barriers, recovering from injuries. And um, I have my one competition coming up. And then I'm going to take the next year off of competing and really work on leaning out for a couple months and then bulking the fuck up and getting back in the body. I've never competed in bodybuilding. So my goal is to get my physique to a place by the end of 2023 where I can do my first bodybuilding competition sometime early 2024. That's the game plan. All right. See, I didn't even know this. Hey, no no guys, one does. You, you no guys does. are finding out uh, breaking news along with me. And I have a question. I, so two things that I'm going to let you go. So, sure, yeah. um, Number one is that, you know, I saw the pictures of you, like you did one when you were pretty beefy and then you did this other one, like after powerlifting. So I'm it's okay loving- to say it's, it's okay to say a little husky. You can tell me I'm a little husky. Now, I would, no, look at when I was a kid, I wore Wrangler Huskies because I was a husky kid. Too. You're adorable. My sister to this day calls me Chubbs. Oh, <laughs> my sister calls me Chubbs. Like I'll, I'll be doing a live on like, a, a national not national but like you know alive the whole public and she'll write in the comment hi chubs oh yeah oh is right oh is right but here's the yeah. thing so 
Um, but I saw the change in your physique. Like you went from, I mean, you, you look big and beefy, you look strong, but then all of a sudden it was like gunk, 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 like abs. And I'm like, this is the combo of the power lifting and the building like the bodybuilding. So and this is the benefit of grabbing a coach, finding someone, like you said, finding a coach. It's so powerful being able to see that transition. Now, here's my other question. Sure. How much of a big deal do they make it at competitions? Like, do we, do we like shout it loud and proud about being vegan or do people make a big deal about Marco or you at a competition being vegan? Like, is it, is it kind of like how much of it, like, is, are people aware? And do you get questions a lot? So interesting, at the powerlifting gym I'm at, everyone's really open and kind about it. Never had any issues. We, they, you know, they'll, they'll rat. I sound like I'm from the 40s. I'm like, they'll razz me. You know, they'll razz me. They'll, uh, you know, bust the old chops. But, um, well, see? But it's been great. And at competitions, it's cool because, you know, if I'm wearing a conscious muscle hoodie or something, a pump cover to warm up or whatever. And when people find out you're vegan, it's amazing. It's not like on internet land or Instagram where it's full of trolls and assholes. Every person I've ever met in real life, at, especially at a power and power lifters are a tight community, believe it or not. I know everyone seems really aggressive and dickish because it's like an aggressive sport, but everyone's really nice. I've never had a negative experience at a competition when people talk. They're like, no way. Really? That's that's what I get. No way. But never like. Oh, you're this or you're that or you need to get it's I've never had a negative response. And right. I'm looking at like trolls only exist when there's a keyboard in front of them. Oh, they get everybody grows a pair of balls when they have a keyboard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I let me ask you this then. So because yeah. I know that I feel this way. I once had somebody say to me the day that Karen Kenny stops being vegan, the world's in trouble. Like I, I would be crushed, you know, and yeah. I'm like, well, I, I don't plan on it. But here's the thing. On a, in a certain way, it's like I'm highly aware that when I wear this shirt to the gym, I'm representing a community. Yes. Now, not just conscious muscle, which, yeah, because I'm branded, right? But also like vegans in general. Do you feel a certain amount of responsibility or awareness around that we are representing? Like, you know, so much of this is being a voice for the voiceless. This is why, because we love animals and they don't have a voice. So we're doing that with advocacy and education and talking about things and having conversations like this. But also we're kind of representing what's possible. And that's why, like, I swear to you, like, I, I haven't told you this yet. So everybody gets to hear it along with you. Um, I was, was feeling like so soft and just weak. And I'm like, I don't think I've, I don't mean earn the right. Like I, of course I own it. I paid for them. I can wear them, but I'm like, I don't really want to start repping Jordan's gear until I'm starting to like lift a little bit heavier weights until like, I'm like, cause I want to be a good representative of the vegan community. Am I making sense? Like, do you feel a you, weight you make, sometimes? You make, that makes sense to me. And I've had people tell me that too about, nah, I want to wait to rock your shirt till I feel I'm like, no, no, you've already done the heavy lifting brother, sister, you're fucking vegan. Like, that's what I want you to shout loud and proud. I don't care how you fill out that shirt. I care how your heart fills out that part of the shirt. You know oh. what I mean? Like, no, yeah, for real. No, for real. That's what I was telling people. You don't have to wait to get any kind of way. So, yeah, absolutely. I started this company to with, with a mission, purpose, and passion. And animal rights became the forefront of that. So my number one mission is spreading veganism and just you know, dispelling those myths about protein deficiency. So first and foremost, it's about the animal. So 
definitely I love wearing a vegan shirt to them. I'm always wearing either shirts people send me or my conscious muscle shirts. And I love that it elicits a conversation, especially because, you know, when I'm not at my powerlifting gyms, I'll go to like a crunch and, you know, they have the young gym shark kids, all the little like, you know, gym bros. And I love that they see some Jack dude, like some big bearded Viking dude with a shirt that says like vegan for the animals. Or like vegan is love, you know? Or we we kill workouts, not animals. Not animals, exactly. Yeah, let me endorse myself here. Like, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm like where's that quote? Anyway. Come on, let's yeah. go. So that's one of Jordan's slogans, right? We kill workouts, not animals. And I'm loud and proud with that all day long. You know what I mean? And so I I appreciate that. And I, But I'm just also really aware that, you know, when you're wearing something that says like, vegan anything or conscious muscle it's like there's a responsibility of putting this t-shirt on you're an ambassador for vegan muscle you know that that's why you know it's just it's just so important to be a good ambassador for whatever it is you're representing you know what i mean and given the stigmas against veganism i feel and and given the obsession with aesthetics and fitness and body composition on social media what a great way to reach people what a great way to reach people you know I can't tell I'll, you. I'll, I'll shake my ass for the animals. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's fine. No big deal. Like, whatever. I can't tell you how many conversations have gotten started by, by these, by these shirts. People will be like, sometimes a random dude in New Hampshire will come up to me and be like, I know that guy. That's, that's conscious muscle. And I was like, yep. It's my friend Joy. It's my brother. In New Ham- they sound a little different though. In New Hampshire. Like I know that motherfucker. Well, that that's right more there. Massachusetts, but well, okay. yeah, but they do, but because I'm right over the border now in so New, New Hampshire. New, 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 I okay. live in New Hampshire, but I'm from Massachusetts. That's that accent. But I no, but people Ham- will come up to me and be like, like, like you're vegan? And I'm like, yeah. And it always, I tried being vegan once or my sister's vegan. Like everybody's got a story. Everybody's- 100%, yes. <laughs> my second sister twice removed her cousin one time in high school. They were vegan. They were vegan. They tried. And they died. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll just like my, I was talking to my accountant yesterday on the phone and she said to me, you know, you know, I'm going to be up in New Hampshire for the summer. I'm like, that's great. She's like, cause I need to get my seafood fresh. I said, Ronnie, uh, you know, I'm not going to support that comment. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to like it. And she's like, well, my, I'm like, nope, we're, I go, I'm not, I'm not talking about the dead animals. Like, it's so funny. And it's like, but the reason why I'm telling that story is not to make fun of her is that it's so a part of the conscious, um, the conditioning of the consciousness of, of the country, uh, not the, not the whole country, but because different parts of the world, uh, see cows is sacred and there's different things, yes. but it's just, we've normalized, we've normalized murdering, raping, abusing, plating one group of animals and then calling these ones pets. And it's such a bizarre thing that people don't ever stop. And I'm like, have you ever considered why you eat one but love another one when this one's just as intelligent, when this one has friendships and relationships and personalities, when this one, um, hello, when this one is actually smarter than your toddler? Did you know that chickens chickens can remember up to a hundred different faces? Do you know that there are, there are certain animals that like, did you know that, um, that, that, that elephants grieve? I'm like, I just sit there and I think, so I I, I, yeah, I just wish people would stop drinking the Kool-Aid of what their parents taught them and what their society taught them. And this is so much of the work that I do is to question everything. Why do I think what I think, say what I say, believe what I believe, do what I do, behave the way that I behave? Like what, how did I get here? 
And when did I stop questioning? And that's what you have to do is you have to break away from the cultural conditioning of your people, your church, your parents, your community, where you grew up. And you have to start thinking for yourself and saying, is this in line with my hat? Is mm -hmm. this in line with my core values? Is this, because what do I always say? The assignment is alignment. And mm -hmm. you can't sit there and tell me that you are an animal lover while you're chowing down on one. And I know that pushes some people's buttons and I'm not about shame and blame because hello, I was pounding Big Macs a lot of my life until I wasn't. But once you know, you can't unknow. Once you've seen, you can't unseen. And it's like people who will raise your hand, double amen hands, listeners at home. If you've ever been in a room or sat there and saw the lobsters go into the pot and then covered your ears about the sounds they're making because you're like, oh, it's too awful. And then you sat down and you ate them. It's like, what the fuck? Is That's cognitive dissonance. That's 100% at its best. <laughs> at its best, yeah. So this is an invitation, you guys, to just know from two veterans over 20 years, nine years, still going strong, still building muscle, but building conscious muscle oh it can be done it can be done and you don't have to feel bad about it you don't have to look back and then lament the whole thing you know what i'm saying it's like but there are other ways of doing things and if you're an animal lover and you can hear the sound of my voice i just want to invite you to ask yourself why am i making um why am i why am i saying i love this one and i'm obsessed with my dog or my cat and I would never want anybody to harm them. But look at this bunny or look at this pig or look at this sheep or look at this lamb. And I'm okay with them being murdered and tortured and hurt. And it's not to make you feel bad. It's just about becoming more conscious of our choices and knowing that we can do better. And we benefit from it. A hundred percent. We win. We literally win. It's We literally win. It, like, like you said, the Megans. There's a reason there's Megans. <laughs> there's a reason, you know? We love that term. We crack ourselves up. I love it. All right, Jordan, consciousmuscle.net is how they get um, either a macro program with you, a training program with you, a high level, high touch one-to-one -one with you. You yeah. have a couple of different offers. Anything you want to say about that before I continue about other things about you? No, that's great. Consciousmuscle.net for coaching and cmsupplements.com for supplements. And then you can um, find me on Instagram, conscious underscore muscle, Facebook, uh, YouTube, and yeah. Conscious underscore muscle is how you found Jordan on um, online. You post pretty often. You have a oh, yeah. you have a thriving community. You used to do more YouTube videos. You're going to start doing those. No pressure. Just asking. Oh, no, I am getting back on them. I need to. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. And now that I said it, uh, now I know you heard it. So now I know. And now, now, now I don't trouble. have a choice. <laughs> now you're in trouble. No, because I think I want more people to. Um, you know, you do reels once in a while and stuff like that. You have great content. I'm not telling you, you have 170,000 followers. I'm not telling you how to do jack shit, but I, I want more people to get to see the magic that is you. Thank you, know? you. I would like to share more of that with the world also. And I think YouTube would be a great medium to do it. Like, I appreciate that. I appreciate you getting me to open up, you know what yeah. I mean? And share my story. Cause it's been, it's been, it's been a while since I've been comfortable, um, sharing my story.
So. Yeah, and I'm also wicked excited, you guys. So if you listen to my episode with my friend Brad Jensen, the Soba bodybuilder, uh, my friend Brad, he's another brother from another mother. I adore him too. So Jordan is now, through a little behind the scenes magic, Jordan is also going to be on Brad's podcast, which is the Key Nutrition Podcast. Uh, I don't know when it's coming out. I know you're recording really soon. And I, I'm yeah. so jazzed to have these two brothers from another mother, these two uh bodybuilders coming from slightly different places because he is a meat eater and you're not. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's going to be such a fantastic conversation and I can't wait for more people to listen to that. So if you want more Jordan, if you want more conscious muscle in your life, make sure it be on the, on the lookout for that as well. Thank just, you for hooking me up with Brad. By the way. That was, oh. that, what a great connection. He's great. Like what a great, I appreciate you making that happen. Literally. Like that's the behind the scenes. Karen is the behind the scenes. Well, that's what friends do for each other. All right. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I wish I would have asked you? Or is there any final words before we say goodbye? No, I feel like we had a good, open, real conversation without any like structures or God just shot it. And I, I'm really happy with our conversation. I thought it was awesome. Hopefully I people got, got something out of it, whether it's veganism, spirituality, coaching, you know, we hit on a lot of different things. We sure did. And thank you so much for coming back and taking the time for being here. You guys, you know, I always say, I appreciate you so much. You could be doing anything with your time. And the fact that you decided to tune in and spend some time with Jordan and I means so much to me. I never, ever, ever take it for granted because time is the one resource we cannot ever get back. So thank you for being present. If you want to reach out to him, shoot him a message. If you want to become a client of his, I'm telling you, you're not going to regret it. You're going to be proud of yourself. You're going to get stronger. You're going to be healthier. And it's just a win, win, win all the way around. So you guys, wherever you go out in the world, leave yourself, leave the people, leave the animals, leave the environment better than how you found it. Wherever you go, may people be happier and animals be happier for you having been there. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the karen kenny show <laughs> i super duper appreciate your time friendship and support and look if something that i shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours i'd love to hear about it so please tag me on facebook or instagram or ig stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you wanna hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing. <laughs>